Welcome into Hardcore Penn State Football. The bye week is here. Hope you're enjoying it. Hope you enjoy this weekend. Maybe go do some pumpkin patching or whatever else you do on a free fall Saturday. But it's not a bye week around here. Adam Bittner from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette joins us to talk and debate Drew Aller versus Sean Clifford. We have Donnie Collins from the Scranton Times Tribune coming on to talk and be our Big Ten guest picker of the week. That's right, Big Ten pick'em still happening. A lot to talk about. Let's get right into it. Hardcore Penn State football. I'm Corey Lestoki. With me, as always, on this beautiful Wednesday night, the great Sean Kane, everybody. Hello, 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 hello. Uh, guess what day it is, Corey? Guess what day it is. What day is it, Sean? Hump day. Hump day. How are you doing today? Good, good. Does it feel like the game is this Saturday? Like, it just Dude. feels like <clears throat> and it's not till next Saturday. I don't know when I'm, I'm way happy, too juiced. I'm way too juiced. It just feels like it's coming up in a few days, and it's not for, like, uh, 10 days. <laughs> so I am way, I'm telling you, I'm, I have way too much excitement and energy for it being the Wednesday before the actual game week. So, yeah. I know. I was, Gonna be you texted me saying that you know your girlfriend was wondering what you were thinking about. And you're already thinking about the Michigan game, and and I don't know. Maybe it's dangerous to be th- putting that much emphasis onto this game, but that's kind of what happens when there's a bye week. So um, there's a lot of focus mm-hmm. right now on this Michigan game. Michigan obviously still has to play Indiana. I couldn't imagine trying to focus on Indiana right now if I was a Michigan player, um, knowing that it's going to be a top ten matchup come next week. So. Uh, yeah, Sean, I, I'm jacked up. I'm ready. I don't know who I'm going to pick yet, to be honest with you, but but I'm pretty excited for it. Yeah, I also don't know who I'm going to pick. I, I really, I'm not just saying that to the pod either. I really have no idea. Uh, I want to see how Michigan looks this week. Uh, I I 
think they'll be out. I think they're going to be all right. But Bloomington, it's a weird, weird place to play. Um, but and if Indiana had a pulse, I'd say they have a shot. But I just don't know how much of a shot I could give them. Yeah, yeah, I'm not giving them very much of a shot. <clears throat> Excuse me. All right, well, let's do a couple housekeeping items before we get into it again. We'll have Adam Bittner from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette joining us in about 20 minutes or so to talk Drew Aller versus Sean Clifford, which if you've been on Twitter at Hardcore PSUFB, you know that there's been some some ruffling going on between us and, and our perspectives. But we are full of, I don't know if it's technically a democracy, but we like hearing other people's ideas, and we want to give them a chance to, to flesh out those ideas fairly. So Adam Bittner will be joining us for that discussion a little bit later in the show. Donnie Collins from the Scranton Times Tribune will be joining us to be our Big Ten guest picker of the week. That's right. Even though Penn State's not playing, there's still a pick so make sure you do your pick If you haven't already, please consider doing a five-star rating or review on Apple Podcasts. If you do a review, we'll read it on the show. I know we got a five-star rating on Spotify this week. Someone DM'd us. Actually, since some, they DM'd us, I don't know if he wants it to be known, but he didn't say not to. I'll just say his first name. Aaron uh, gave us a five-star rating on Spotify, and he, and he actually said something. So I guess I'll say it. He said, just started listening to the show. Great stuff. Have a stickerless laptop that needs the keystone on it. Keep Cliff cooking is what he had to say. So what do you think about that, Sean? Yeah, love that. Love that. Uh, you know, thank you, Aaron. Uh, I guess we're not reading his address out on the pod. No, no, we'll avoid that. But if you do piss okay, us I off at so. some point, we could read off their <laughs> yeah. addresses. Yeah, um, we got it right here. <laughs> also, if Sean, you piss me off, I will read out your address on the show. You know, it's funny, though, because uh, just so people don't know, we give stickers out to anybody that comes on the show as a guest. Like I, we we go back and like as a as a way of saying thank you, like you know here's a sticker. Um, so I don't want to brag, but we actually have a pretty good collection of addresses going on right now. I I don't even know if like those are their home addresses or whatnot, but um, but maybe it's like for their family to have the sticker, whatever the case may be. We've got a pretty good you know collection of addresses. Um, worth probably not very much information, but um. We have been giving out stickers to all the guest pickers, if if you're curious about that. Um, yeah. Um, all final, on a Christmas card list, right? Yeah, that's a good point. We could do a Christmas card, you and I. Um, so we have a lot of exciting things down the pipeline. Uh, Merchandise-wise, I'm not ready to disclose just yet, Sean. Obviously, Sean, you're aware of it. But you can at least, you know agree with me or support me that it's it's pretty exciting it's pretty cool guys you're gonna be um very excited and might even be a little surprised um but it's a good kind of surprise i'm surprised i'm surprised too to be honest <laughs> yeah um anywho so that's exciting i'm just gonna tease that a little bit and then i'm ready to announce this sean because because why not i was able to put in some serious work today and we're going to give it a go, right? Yeah, yeah. Are you ready? I'm pretty ready. I'm not ready like we couldn't do it tomorrow, but I think by this time next week and That's what I mean. extra hour, I think we can get there. So, ladies and gentlemen, we will be going live with the podcast 
Wednesday nights at 9 Eastern and Sundays haven't exactly to figure out the time i'm thinking 10 a.m eastern sean because uh, that's kind of when we like to record obviously we might go to eventually to a sunday night but honestly i think during football season i think the a.m slot might be a little bit better anywho it doesn't matter if no one shows up to watch us live on youtube whatever it's still going to be out on the podcast wherever you're listening per usual nothing's changed as far as that but if you want to see our faces if you want a little bit more of a visual we'll have some uh, highlights playing while while we're uh, talking. We'll have some graphics up there with kind of the stats that we're talking about. If you're looking for all of that and you're in a, a true Penn State football show, if you will, it's going to be coming at you twice a week live starting next week. We're, gonna, we're kicking it off. We're going to try to finish the half of the year with those live shows on YouTube. So if you're not subscribed on YouTube, definitely get over there and do that. And uh, yeah, I'm excited, Sean. What do you think? Yeah, it's going to be awesome. Um... It'll be, you know, I feel like there's a lot of, especially during the season, there's a lot of plays we talk about throughout a game. And I'm sure if you're sitting there at home listening or the office or whatever, you're probably like, which play is that again? Um, and this way, we'll be able to show you exactly what we mean. Plus, as a bonus, you'll be able to look at our handsome faces. That sounds that's pretty probably, awesome, too. That's probably the reason why people aren't going to show up. But no, yeah, definitely. That, I'm excited yes. for it. I mean, I, I think there's a, a huge benefit to it. So um, and I think it's good for honestly for the show itself to grow, which, by the way, the show has been growing crazy. Just to give you an idea, even though we had more episodes, so obviously there's going to be more downloads because you have more episodes. Uh, we still we still crushed it, still crushed it in September from from a lot of other things besides just downloads. So thank you guys so much. Let's keep it going. Keep it strong. Keep sharing it with your friends. Um, like Sean had somebody come up to him in a bar and said, hey, I listen to your show. We had people uh, that we've tailgated with said, hey, we listen to your show. We've had um, people say, text me and say, hey, my parents are listening to you guys right now. So uh, we appreciate all that kind of, we love those kind of stories and we're just going to keep going. So thank you guys. Um, and yes. every little thing you do, right? Every little five-star review, every little retweet <clears throat> on Twitter, everything you do helps. So thank you guys. Uh, we pride ourselves in being not just a free show, but but also being just kind of just two guys that that provide true, honest thoughts on Penn State football. And uh, clearly you guys find it at least relatively interesting. So we appreciate that. Yeah, definitely. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I feel like, you know, I always, uh, you know, I always say we do it for you guys and we're so appreciative. Um, and you know, another thing with going live is I feel like we'll be able to make more of a bond with our audience. And, you know, if you see me down at Penn state or you see Corey down at Penn state, come up and say hello. We'll talk yeah. to you. So yeah, I would also yeah, say too, awesome your, too. your, uh, bold takes and questions. Oh, we have a lot of those, Sean. That's actually going to something we forgot about. We have a lot of those to talk about after Adam Bittner. Yep. Um, but, yep. uh, but those can actually be screenshotted or whatever and, and, and broadcasted onto the show. So you can actually see your Twitter profile or whatever on there as well. So that's kind of cool for you guys instead of just me just reading it. Same with five-star reviews. So, yeah, a lot of exciting things. Um, okay. Penn State players in the NFL. Let's dive into them real quick. Not – well, I guess the say there's not a lot, but there is some – uh, Saquon Barkley, Sean, very good if you didn't know. 31 carries for a buck 46. He's leading the NFL in rushing. 
Miles Sanders is third in rushing right now in the NFL. Um, Miles Sanders had 27 carries for a buck 34 and two touchdowns. Just, just absolutely dominating in the rushing department. It's nice to see. I had Miles Sanders on the bench, by the way. Of course. <laughs> yep. Um, Micah Parsons had a tackle for loss. Uh, oh, I should mention, this is from MintonLionsWire.com. I think that's where we've been kind of getting these from. So, uh, Mike Gusecki had two catches for 23 yards. There's your Mi- Miami Dolphins update. Pat Fryermuth, seven catches for 85 yards. He's, he's actually had a really good season so far. Chris Godwin came back from injury, seven catches for 59 yards. And then Jahan Dotson, who actually is currently out with a hamstring injury, he had three catches for 41 yards and a touchdown as well. Uh, Jaquan Brisker had a sack and also five tackles. Uh, K.J. Hamler had a bomb from Russell Wilson, his first catch of the season. Uh, Odafe Owe had a forced fumble. So uh, a, a little bit more defensive guy is starting to, starting to show up there, Sean. Yeah, uh, the Saquon, one of Saquon's long carries, he was actually tackled by Jaquan Brisker. So we had some uh, Penn State on Penn State action there. Um, and, you know, I've just been so impressed all season with Saquon. And going into this season, I thought it was a big year for him because he was kind of teetering between being, you know, the pro bowler we all know he could be and kind of becoming an old guy. Uh, And, you know, he's not that old, but running backs get old quick, especially when they have injuries. So I'm really loving the Saquon resurgence he's having right now. He was running out stuff out of the Wildcat, too, so. I thought that was interesting. It reminded me of the John Donovan days. Yeah, that, you didn't have to bring that up. This is this is a happy podcast <laughs> before that. Yes, yeah, I mean, so people that didn't watch that. <laughs> yeah, that Giants game, uh, Daniel Jones got hurt, Tyrod Taylor got hurt, and Saquon was taking some snaps there. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, yeah, no, it, pretty it's well nice. Too. Yeah, he did. It's nice to see Saquon healthy again. I think there was concern whether we'd ever see that again, and that's kind of scary because – you know, you don't know the last time you're going to see a generational talent run like that. So it's nice to see he's still he's still Saquon. Um, let's move on for the sake of time and discuss Northwestern one more time, if you will. We're obviously going to talk a little bit about them with the fan questions. But I was able to watch this game, I think, actually two more times because I watched it once on my own. And then uh, Fox does their 60 minutes. Somehow they got that game. Even though it was on ESPN, they they're able to get that game and they put in their little sixty minute cut version, which I love watching. They only take time commercial breaks for the end of the quarter, so I ended up watching it twice, Sean. And oh, and I should plug for the bloggy because they had a good YouTube video on Katron Allen and Nick Singleton and how they're hitting holes, et cetera. So highly mm-hmm. recommend that. Um, so we I've watched a decent amount of this film. I guess offensively, Sean. I thought the offensive line, we, I think we said they played really well, but I think they played even better the second, third time I watched it through. Like, they are moving people. Sal Warmly got Offensive Player of the Week honors, and they're just doing their job, right? I mean, they're just doing their job. I And, and again, to reiterate, they have not given up. They have not let Sean Clifford be sacked for three straight games. Yeah, I mean, I think Donnie gave the offensive line a grade of an A so far this year, and uh, they deserve it. Like he, the, like they have been so reliable 
you know, did they have some hiccups early on in the year? They did, uh, but they've really gotten things cleaned up. I feel like they have seven guys right now that they could really trust. Norzad's been been banged up, so really right now they got six guys that they could really count on. Uh, that right tackle spot that I talked about at the beginning of the year really seems solidified right now between both Caden Walls and Bryce Eppner. They both they've both been play, uh, rotating in and out. Doesn't seem clunky or anything. Doesn't feel like you lose much when one guy goes to the bench, one guy goes in. I thought they've been manning that pretty. Per- I thought they've been manning that pretty well. Olu uh, Fashionu, um, who you know, Corey and I actually discussed, and we are sorry about this. We've been pronouncing his last name wrong, so he's really uh, stepped it up uh, this year. He's playing as good, if not better, than advertised, and we have a run game. So, knowing all that, I think we got to be honest in saying the passing game, there's no excuses this year because they have the line, they have the run game, and they got to put it together in the passing game. And there have been times where it's been really, really good. Uh, And I think we all agree that it has to be better than it was on Saturday during the monsoon. So, here's to a good balanced offense over the next three weeks and beyond. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I agree with you. That's, that's fair. They, they definitely need to be better in a passing game and that's Clifford. Obviously that's the receivers getting open a little bit more. That's receivers holding onto the football a little bit more. Um, I do want to say that typically like people are like, Oh, a, a true number one hasn't really showed up yet for Penn state. And like, yeah, that's true. Tinsley's had his moments, obviously. And I think Tinsley's going to eventually be the guy. But also, Sean, because they've been able to run the ball so well, they haven't really been forced to throw the ball to win, except for maybe Purdue, and they were able to enough. Um, And my thought is emergence of a number one or emergence of the receivers is kind of based off of necessity, and they really haven't been forced to come out. Now, whether they will answer that bell when when the time comes, who knows, but I'm not as worried. I mean, I, I'm worried to a certain extent, but I'm not overly worried just because there hasn't been a moment where they've really let us down in the game, right? Like where, where they really needed to step up in the passing game, just really failed. Um, there's obviously been bad moments, but there hasn't been like a time where I was like, gosh, that's just where we're trying to throw it and we really couldn't throw it. Maybe that one series against CMU, but I think that's really being nitpicky. So I'm curious, Sean, against Michigan – if they're able to slow down Katron Allen and Nick Singleton and Kevon Lee and John Clifford has the ball in his hand and he's got one-on-one opportunities against some of these guys is Tinsley is Washington. If Keandre Lambert Smith is healthy, which he wasn't at practice by the way, this, this, uh, this past week, um, when the media at least saw him, Trey Wallace, Brenton strange, Theo Johnson, are they going to get open, and is Clifford going to be successful in delivering them the football? It's weird. When you think about the passing game right now, Sean, I'm more concerned about the receivers and the quarterback than I am the offensive line giving them time, which is kind of hilarious in mm-hmm. hindsight. Yeah, it's true, though. I mean, the offensive line, like, how could we complain about them right now? They've... They've done their part. They're run blocking, they're pass blocking. They're giving Clifford plenty of time to throw, and they're opening up lanes for the running backs. So then it's incumbent on your skill position guys to be able to get the job done. 
Uh, the running backs have been awesome. They put the ball on the ground against Northwestern, but I'm willing to say that's a one-off thing because of the rainstorm. Um, but yeah, the quarterback, he's got to be, be better than, frankly, he was in the past two games. Um, and the receivers have to be better. Uh, there has to be, and, you know, I agree with you too, like the emergence of a number one, it really hasn't happened yet. Um, but I'm looking for Parker Washington. Maybe, you know, he, he doesn't have any touchdowns yet this year. So that's something that I want to see that I definitely want to see change. And hopefully KLS can come back because I think he gives something to this offense that it's lacking right now. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, Keandre, although he's only really shown it in, in random spurts, especially in that Purdue game, he's somebody, if he could turn it on, mm-hmm. could, could really help. I think if anybody can stretch a defense, I think Keandre Lambert Smith is the guy to do so. Before we switch over and get our final thoughts on defense, Sean, I believe we have Adam Bittner with the Pittsburgh Post Gazette now joining us. Adam, can you hear us? I can hear you. Can you guys hear me? Yes, sir. How are you doing today, man? Yes, I'm can. doing well. I'm doing well. How are you guys? We're fantastic. Good. Yeah, as, as good as you can be on the bye week, we've been talking about how it does not feel like we have 10 more days to go before the Penn State-Michigan game, but uh, we're, we're juiced. We're ready, ready for the game to happen this weekend, but we got a little bit more time to wait. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's you know, it takes a little bit of the air out when you you're five and zero going into a bye week, and um, but you know I think it's it was well timed for Penn State given, you know what they have on deck this month. You know I, I think it lets you prepare for all three a little bit. Obviously you got to win the first one to for the the next two to matter as much, but um, you know I think it was a well timed buy at least, even if it kind of sucks. You know, for the fans and the people who were, you know, juiced for college football season to be back. Yeah, that, that's a good point. I mean, it, my girlfriend's happy about it. We get a chance to do a little bit some of the fall stuff this weekend that maybe we won't do the rest of the month. So that's always good. But, yeah, I I think, honestly, when the, the schedule first was rearranged, I was like, man, not by week right before. Like, we could be 5-0 and with all the momentum. And after that Auburn game, it felt that way, Adam. But then the last two games, Central Michigan – and Northwestern for different reasons. Offense didn't seem to have the same flow, didn't seem to have the same kind of confidence. And that bye week, like you said, probably ended up coming at a pretty good time. Um, We know kind of ish what your thoughts are on Sean Clifford and Drew Aller. That's one of the, pretty much one of the main reasons why we brought you on. We want to give you the open floor to flesh out your exact perspective on Sean Clifford, your thoughts on Drew Aller, and if there is quarterback controversy, what that really means for you? Well, you know, I should say quarterback controversy versus, you know, what is a quarterback controversy? Is it something that's internal to the building? Is it something fans and media are talking about outside? Um, you know, I don't, I don't get any sense that James Franklin is listening to me or anyone else who thinks that, you know, Drew Aller should probably be Penn State's guy. Um, so in that sense, I don't think it's a quarterback controversy. You know, my perspective kind of boils down to four central points and, you know, we can shoot off in any number of directions from there. But it's number one, you know, we've seen the arm talent from from Drew Aller. We've seen him be able to make throws that I've never seen Sean Clifford make in, in you know, four or five years of watching him. Um, and that's not a knock on, on Sean. I think one of the things that I talk to you guys about on Twitter is, um, you know, he's been a, a great Penn Stater. He's, he's put up numbers. He's got gotten them some some big wins maybe more big wins than many quarterbacks other than Trace McSorley in in recent memory 
Um, you know, he's done a lot for the program and, and I'm not going to sit here and trash the guy, you know, like some people who promote Aller do. I, I think there's, there's like a kind of hate complex with either you want love, love one, hate the other. Um, or, or, you know, I think in Aller's case, no one really hates them because they don't have any reason to, but it's, it's very polarized in terms of which one you believe should be the quarterback. I'm not that guy. I, I, you know, I appreciate the things Sean Clifford's done over the years, um, but he just can't make those throws that we've seen Drew Aller make in, you know, albeit a limited sample size. Um, and, and, you know, that's been reflected in the data. That's kind of what my jumping off point was uh, for this, because I do weekly pro football focus grade recaps for the Steelers weekly um, on postgazette.com. But occasionally, especially because we had Thursday night football for the Steelers, um, you know, not this past week, but the week before I had a little more time later in the week than I normally do. And that's when I like to kind of get into doing some PFF recaps for, for the college teams and, you know, both Pitt and Penn state, which are the teams that we cover. Um, and you know, the data speaks very well of Drew Aller too. Um, you know, one of pro football Focus's top metrics other than their grades are, uh, big time throws, which are the best throws in college football in a given season. Drew Aller has three in 19 attempts. Um, Sean Clifford has had going into the week had three, now has four um, with the Northwestern game, four in all of his playing time across five games. Um, so that's over 100. I think he's coming up on 130 attempts at this point. Similar number of big time throws. Drew Aller has no turnover worthy plays. Sean Clifford has a handful. Um, Sean Clifford's grade is 126th among passers in FBS. Um, Drew Allers is, you know, you can't really put too much stock in it again because his sample size is small. Um, but you know, data wise, Drew Allers stacks up better than, than Sean Clifford does. So there's data to support that over a bigger sample size, Drew Aller could have potentially more success than, than Sean Clifford. Um, and then I'm not going to, you know, to me, the biggest data point is Sean Clifford himself, you know, take Drew Aller with a grain of salt because of the sample size. But we know who Sean Clifford is at this point. Um, He's started for, you know, three and a half years at this point, plus some sporadic duty, um, you know, in his his redshirt freshman season. Obviously, that touchdown in the rain against Pitt that got everyone excited. Um, So, you know, we know who Sean Clifford is. There's not, in my view, a ton of upside there. Um, And I think when you're going to be playing teams like Michigan and Ohio State, that upside is is something that matters, and um, you know we've seen quarterback controversies at other schools where you know coaches have opted for that upside when they felt it was time. Um, maybe maybe James Franklin will, maybe he won't. I'm I'm not in the business of reading tea leaves with coaches anymore because, um, as you might know, we have a quarterback controversy in Pittsburgh with Kenny Pickett, Mitch Trubisky, and and right up until the moment that that Kenny Pickett uh, went into the game on Sunday against the Jets. There was, you know, no no sense that Mike Tomlin was giving that that was a possibility. He was asked after the Browns game, you know, are you going to consider putting uh, Kenny Pickett in if Mitch Trubisky struggles against the Jets, you know, after the Jets game? And uh, Mike Tomlin was definitive, no. And then we see Kenny Pickett at halftime. So, you know, I don't put a ton of stock in what coaches are saying publicly at this stage. Um, you know, but for me, it's, it, it's an upside play and it's what kind of program do you want Penn state to be? Do you want to rely on Sean Clifford to play his best game? Because I do think if he plays his best game, we've seen what that looks like, looks like, 
he can beat good teams. But I, I just don't think he's ever demonstrated the consistency for me to believe he could go into this meat grinder and come out the other side with Penn State's playoff, um, you know, hopes intact. And, and, you know, I know there's lots of people that'd be really happy with 10 and two. And maybe you think that, that um, Sean Clifford's the guy that can, can get you there. And I totally respect that, that point of view. Um, James Franklin has just talked about the difference between being an elite program and a great program. And, you know, my question, if I was going to ask it to him is when does that scrutiny, you know, that he has invited start to apply to a sixth year quarterback who is, has demonstrated who he is at this point, which as I pointed out is the 126th graded passer, um, you know, in college football. And, and, and that's just kind of how I look at it as an upside play. Yeah. Yeah. I think we agree. All three of us agree as far as what Drew Aller's upside is and what, what the potential is with, with him at quarterback, not, not just this season, but obviously in the next couple seasons, I think most people would agree. Although we don't know for sure. We, we all think at least that moving forward, like you said, Penn state might have a little bit more upside, might be able to, to get to that 11 wins to, to beat the Ohio States, to beat the Michigans consistently. I think we all agree to what that potential could be. My issue is, and, and just to make sure, Adam, so w- because of that lack of upside and what Clifford brings to the table, you would be willing, and maybe not if it was up to you, you'd probably wish he would have started a couple games earlier, but you'd be willing to, for Aller to start moving forward, starting, I guess, let's just say if you go back a week, starting a Northwestern game going into this stretch because you you think it's you might get some upside at the end of it and that upside might be enough to carry you over the hump. Yeah, I think for me the the biggest thing is you know, we're talking about can Sean Clifford beat Michigan if he plays his best game? Can he beat Ohio State if he plays his best game? And I think we all agree that the answer is yes. The question is should should that have to be the standard? Should that have to be the way things are for Penn State? Or can Penn State put itself in a position where it has, you know, it's been on the other side of spectacular quarterback performances, especially against Ohio State, um, you know, over the years. Less so Michigan, um, you know, because Michigan's had a lot of the same issues as a program that Penn State has. And that's why I think they're very similar um, and, and very much peers of each other. Um, you know, but for me, it's it's a question of are you building in more room for error? Are you building in the ability to make some mistakes? But because you have that talent at the most important position on the field, you can overcome that in a tough game. And, and that can be the different. How many of these games, guys, have come down to a possession of these, you know, Penn State, Ohio State or these Penn State, Michigan games? Um, you know, maybe not necessarily in the final score, but when the game was on the line. You know, it's it's come down to a possession. How do you go from being the team that's that's on the wrong end of that to being the team that's on the right end of it? And to me, it's by having more talent on the field and giving yourself more room for error and not putting yourself in a position where your quarterback has to play a perfect game because he has limited upside. Where, where your quarterback can make some mistakes, but because he's talented, can get you out of that. And I should stress... I don't know that, that that Drew Aller has that at this stage of his career. You know, we're we're talking about 19 attempts. Um, you know, and we're talking about the eye test. Um, and so he might not be that guy right now. But if you're if you're really 
honest with yourself and you're staring at probably 10 and two in the face anyway, my question is what do you have to lose? That November schedule is dreadful. There, you know, Penn State should be favored in those games no matter what. So what do you really have to lose if you're you're going for that upside? So that's just to me, how do you end up on the other side of that? And I think having that upside at the most important position is the most obvious way you address that right now. Yeah, yeah. And I understand, you know, in a vacuum why that would why that makes sense, right? I mean, I totally get it. And I think if Penn State does lose those two, I think you have to have that serious conversation about about what you're doing moving forward to that final month. My biggest thing is you talked a lot about the upside, right? And, and you didn't mention at the end there a little bit about you don't know for sure what the upside exactly is based off of that small sample size. But you hadn't really discussed very much about the downside of Aller. And I have seen multiple five-star quarterbacks wilt at just Penn State alone, let, let alone other places in college football. I have seen them come in too early and not be successful. I've seen them get beat up early and not be too successful. And we don't know at the end of the day how good Drew Aller is. I don't care how what the pro football focus grade is for 19 throws in garbage time against Ohio when probably pull someone out of the stands that can make it throw. Maybe not as pretty, but probably still hit Omari Evans on that touchdown. I don't care about any of that. There are a lot of intangibles that Drew Aller has yet to, to show he can do successfully, consistency, consistently. And if you want to talk about how you win those big games, you mentioned it, right? You, you have to be kind of perfect down the stretch. You have to find someone that gets you over the top. You don't get over the top by having a couple big throws as beautiful as it seems you get over the top by consistently being better. And although Sean Clifford has those moments, those lapses, he's still consistently better than drew Aller, even from an upside perspective for a couple of reasons. Number one, the running game drew Aller will not, cannot yet put you in the better position to run the football than Sean Clifford can a Aller is not as good of a runner and B, Sean Clifford just knows the offense way more than Drew Aller, and he knows defenses way more than most quarterbacks in the country. And two, protection. Drew Aller comes in, yeah, he might hit a couple more bigger throws than that Clifford will miss, but we don't know, A, how well he is at setting protection. We saw him have a lapse against Central Michigan where his guy where he got killed because of it. But also, how many times is he going to set himself up in poor situations, third and longs, because he takes those sacks that Sean Clifford may not have done that? Sean Clifford isn't perfect, and we saw that in that ugly throw that should have been picked off where he got fooled. But there's no proof that those things, where it's not even a, an arm talent throw, those things don't happen with Drew Aller, especially, especially with the way these defensive coordinators are going to challenge him with all the different looks. So those are the two things downside we have no idea about. And to think that he can come in, and it's not really fair to him, that he's supposed to come in and automatically provide more upside down the stretch. I just looked because I was curious, right? Last time, you know, you kind of agreed with us a little bit as far as Michigan's Michigan, not on the same level as Ohio State. Well, last time Penn State beat Ohio State, obviously 2016, Trace McSorley throwing the ball 8 for 23, 154 yards. So I don't really necessarily want to hear very much about how you have to be able to throw the ball to win the game. I think Penn State's defense probably matches up better with Ohio State now than they did back then in 2016. And probably the most important part about all of it, if you go back two years, 
Adam, I think you're absolutely right. Clifford's probably not going to be able to win you those games because if you're asking him to throw the ball 30 to 40 times, you got a fit, you got a coin toss chance of winning the game, most likely. Totally agree with you there. However, now that they have established a running game, and you can if you keep those attempts under 30, just like Trace McSorley did in 2016, I have a lot of confidence that Sean Clifford's the better option than Drew Aller moving forward, even with those often lapses that he has. Even if he does have one interception against Michigan, we know he how he's going to respond. We don't know how Drew Aller is going to respond. Purdue, that just happened literally a month ago. So we know those intangibles, and to me, those intangibles, plus all of the running game, plus all those other things, give him the advantage against Ohio State, against Michigan, against Minnesota. Uh, you know, I, I'm just going to disagree with you on that point because you're, we don't know. And and because we don't know, I think we're assuming the worst about Drew Aller here. But he's a very polished guy. He's, you know, I, I remember vividly I watched a clip of him, um, you know, how his, his throwing mechanics developed over his two years of working. I, I forget the name of his quarterback's coach. Um, you know, but he, in high school, he worked with a guy – the the beginning of the video to the end he looks like a completely different guy and he is he he is well developed he has a lot of pedigree um you know and I, yeah noted christian hackenberg didn't work out here but christian hackenberg had a lot of different things going against him and he kind of set himself up for for some of that in choosing to come to penn state at the time that he did um you know and, and for me it's not just about going down the stretch guys i think it's about how many times have we watched Penn State go up in these games against Ohio State at times and not make that play in the middle of the game that if they'd made it, it's a different game. And Ohio yeah, State Adam, is a bigger hole. And I, and I, I agree with that. It's but not Adam, it's not that. because of the passing game, though. Like a lot of those times, especially early in Franklin's tenure, the reason why Ohio State came back in 2017 and honestly, in 2018, wasn't because of the quarterback play. It was because of their lack of their ability to run the ball. You run the ball, you can put the game on ice. And on top of that, you now have a defensive coordinator that's much more aggressive. That's not going to just sit back and cover two and let JT Barrett throw post routes over the middle of the entire time. And it wasn't just Hackenberg. It was Bolden. It was Morelli. We've seen this time and time again. And again, not just that Penn State. Now, you're right. He did, honestly, the way Aller has improved even since the blue and white game is impressive. But we have seen the intangibles not be there for Aller. I mentioned the sack earlier, but go back and watch the Ohio film. He misses multiple wide open guys. Go back to the Purdue game. He decided to throw and force the ball instead of running it. So there has been circumstances where we have seen Aller already not be to the same level intangibly, that's a word, than Sean Clifford. So I think we have seen some of it. And, and I think he'll get there. But we talked about, I mean, all summer about how this was a big deal for Sean Clifford to have the same offensive coordinator two years in a row. And now we're just going to throw that all away and assume that Drew Aller coming in and eight months of work has the same football knowledge and can read the well, defense and can set the same protection and do all of those things in a running game as, as well as Sean Clifford. I don't buy that. I think what you're articulating, which is was the preseason case for Sean Clifford and why I was not a person who was out here from the very start, you know, saying it's got to be it's got to be Aller. It's got you know, I hadn't seen him up close until the Ohio game. Um, and, and so I was not someone who, who came into the season with the belief that I have now. Um, and, you know, the closest story that I have to me 
that, that mimics this is Kenny Pickett at Pitt last year. And, you know, th- that was the hope for Sean Clifford. Um, and I think getting back into the data, where the data matters is on Sean Clifford. I, I think you're right. There's a lot of things that we don't know about Drew Aller, and we cannot draw conclusions from a 19-snap sample size. But we know who Sean Clifford is, and Sean Clifford's not Kenny Pickett. And if you'd like to argue, you know, maybe he doesn't have to be Kenny Pickett for Penn State to be successful. I, I can see it if everything works. If, if all the dominoes fall the way, you know, Penn State wants them to, I can see it maybe getting a similar outcome. But, again, getting back to what what is the difference between Kenny Pickett and Sean Clifford? Kenny Pickett can get Pitt out of hairy situations against, you know, teams that were not not Ohio State and, and Michigan. Um, you know, but I, I just don't, I don't see, I don't see it in Sean Clifford. And I, I'm, you know, are you guys going to predict that they are going to win, win these games? Because that would be my question for you. I, if there are people that believe, and I've said this on Twitter, if you believe Penn State is going to win these, these two games against these teams, then, then sure, keep Sean Clifford in there. If you sincerely believe that, I don't know how many people who are arguing and you guys can tell me if I'm wrong. Do you believe that they're going to win with Sean Clifford? And if you don't, then that we're talking about the downside. Then what is the downside? If you believe in your heart of hearts, they're going to lose these games anyway. Go ahead, Sean. Well, I mean, I think that's kind of the crux of the argument. I think it's also the crux of the disagreement. Um, I don't think the quarterback position necessarily jeopardizes, um, you know, solely jeopardizes Penn State's chances against uh, Michigan, Minnesota, Ohio State. Uh, Is it a big factor? Of course, of course. Um, But I think you have to approach this by saying, who do which quarterback do you think gives Penn State the best chance to win right now? I still believe it's Sean Clifford. I think if you were to change quarterbacks before going to the big house and say Drew Rowler's our guy and he's going to start his first game at Michigan, I think that's way too much to put on a freshman quarterback. Can I interrupt you? Alex, I'm I'm willing to accept that argument that it's too late at this point. I'm willing to get on board with that. But, okay, then when when do you think Penn State should have started uh, Drew Aller. I mean, you pointed you to the Ohio game. Sean Clifford played really well against Ohio. I mean, should it have been the Auburn game? I mean, and I sincerely want to know, uh, when do you think they should have started Drew Aller? You know, I I think it would have been, I I probably would have said after the the Central Michigan game that, you know, let's let's at least see what we've got in Aller this week against this Northwestern team. Granted, you know, the weather ended up being not ideal for anyone, and, and so then you're getting into some hypotheticals that, um, you know, th- there are no answers to. Um, I guess maybe the more productive way to move this forward, because I don't think we're necessarily going to agree at, at where we sit now. But I'll let me throw a couple of hypotheticals at you guys. Let's say they lose to Michigan. How, how does that change your calculus? For me, it would depend on how he plays. I'm more open, I believe, than Corey of possibly switching over to Aller at some point. Um, I think Corey had, I think our, our lines are different. Um, if, let me put it this way. If Clifford's struggling at Michigan next week and we're down a touchdown late in the game and we need a spark, 
I'm totally fine putting Drowler in the game. If next week we lose to Michigan, if Penn State loses to Michigan next week, and Clifford looks pretty good, I'm okay starting him against Minnesota. If he struggles, yeah, maybe I'd consider making a change, possibly. But I'd have to see it. I don't know it's, what Corey's answer is. So he it's might pretty have a simple. totally different answer than me. I mean, it's it's pretty simple. You, you play him, and I can tell you this right now. Clifford's not going to be the reason they lose at Michigan. I can tell you that right now. He might throw a pick, but that that's not going to be enough for him to be the reason they lose. I mean, go back and watch every Michigan game that Clifford's played in. Even last year, I mean, when he was getting chased down and murdered by two of the best defensive ends in the country – it really wasn't his fault that they lost that game. I mean, he he did everything pretty much he could at that point, and he wasn't even healthy. So even if, okay, let's say Michigan loses. If Clifford has an awful day, an atrocious day, again, I don't think it's going to happen, but hypothetically, let's just say multiple picks, no touchdowns, he just looks terrible. Okay, fine. I see the point. Still starting him against Minnesota because 11-1 and does not mean anything's out of it. Now, if they get blown out and John Clifford looks awful, and then all of a sudden, it's pretty obvious that the Ohio State game, even at home, is, is not going to probably happen. I can understand the argument, but me personally, until they have two losses, like you mentioned, as kind of being, oh, if you're going to have two losses anyway, until they have those two losses, I, I'm not taking Clifford out. Because what does that tell your team? I mean, you're just going to say, okay, we don't think you guys are good enough to beat Ohio State. We don't think you're good enough to beat Michigan. Therefore, we're just going to pack it in this season. And maybe Aller surprises us, but honestly, we'd be lying to you guys all if we actually knew it was going to happen. Like, that's A, the wrong argument to send to your locker room, but also how you're going to build the entire program and all the competitiveness that you try to instill in the in, in the guys. So, to me, unless you have two losses, you can't start Aller. If they're losing bad against Michigan, obviously try to get him in there. Same with Ohio State, but you, you can't just throw him in there. And I will say this. You mentioned Central Michigan. After the Central Michigan game is when you would have put Aller in for the Northwestern game. I mean, what did Clifford do but go 22 for 34 with four total touchdowns? He had one lapse drive, and we, we spoke about it deeply on the pod in that second quarter when I went through and talked about how he had a drop on third down, he had a drop on fourth down, and he came back the next drive and had a ball when he was hit when he was thrown, and then he had a knockdown pass. So those were his four straight incompletions were not his fault. But, yeah, everyone was so excited to talk about how in- inconsistent he was in that second quarter. I-, I don't understand how you can go from that game to making the argument that Drew Aller should have had it the rest of the way, especially you talked about many times about how, you know, he – you don't know if he can win you that big moment or, or that, you know, drive you down the field. And we've literally seen him do that this year against Purdue. And I don't care what you guys say about how bad Auburn is, but going down to Auburn and being poised, especially after getting your socks rocked on that first drive, that means something to me. And I think that means something to the locker room too. Um, but to answer your question, I, I'd say you got to get the two to two. I mean, th- I mean, that's fair. I, I think to me, the, the, the thing I keep hearing from you, and I'm not saying it's a, a bad train of thought. I just disagree with it is that this is that we have to blame Clifford or we have to get to a place where it's his fault before he gets benched. And to me, no, I, I can agree with you. There have been games he's played against Ohio State and Michigan where he's played decently. He hasn't necessarily been the reason they've lost the games. But this is a conversation about whether you have someone who can be the reason you win the game. 
And I think those are two different things. That's um, a fair point. And I don't believe that I don't believe that that Sean Clifford is the guy who's going to be the reason you win the game. He I may would argue the he's the guy who won you the game in Purdue. The reason you win it. You don't think he's the reason they won at Purdue? Ran for less than three and a half yards per carry. Didn't really do anything. Honestly, defensively, didn't really step up until the fourth quarter. Who who won them that game in Purdue? And this yeah, is I mean, a, I I would give him that mark, but we're talking about a quantum leap different in terms of what he's going to have to do in these big games for Penn State to get to the level that it wants to be at. And so, yeah, that's what this is about for me. It's not about blaming Sean Clifford, you know. And and I've tried to say that over and over again. No, I don't blame the program struggle solely on him. This is the last two years. He's fourth or fifth on the list of issues that this team has had. At, during that Michigan State game last year, I was sitting on my couch saying this team has like four guys that that you can the, that are not interchangeable with any team in college football. And, you know, to to this staff's credit, I think they've developed things very well over the past year. And and Brenton Strange is, is a guy that, you know, I didn't th- I thought he was a fraud a year ago. And now he's possibly one of the best players on this team. So, you know, I give the staff a ton of credit for that. Um, you know, but it, it's just, that's, that's what it's about for me. It's, it's not about casting blame. It's about what's the difference maker. And I, you made the point about the locker room. You know, what did Alabama think in the national championship game when Tua Tagovailoa got put in at halftime? They went out and won the national championship. So to me, if guys in the locker room know a guy has it, they're going to get behind that guy. Even if, even if the, the guy he's replacing is a six year veteran who's done a lot of things for the program. The guys want to win. They want the guy who gives them the best chance to win. And if the if the coaches say at halftime of the Michigan game, Drew Aller, it's not happening right now with Sean Clifford, those guys are going to get behind because they want to win too. So, you know, I, I kind of put the locker room thing to the side where, you know, if, if a coach is making that decision, I think the players are going to fall in line. And I think we have, you know, an ev- evidence, recent evidence of that on the highest stage in college football. Uh, there's a difference between say, that scenario and then what I highlighted, because right. there's a difference between saying at halftime, OK, Drew Aller, go win us a game and saying, hey, we're probably not going to win with Clifford. So, Aller, why don't you get out there and let's just see what you can do for better or worse? There, there's a difference between those two scenarios. And, and you talk a lot about the you know, I agree with you. Right. Like and then what you're trying to say, like it's not about Sean Clifford losing your games it's about him winning. I, I understand that. But all of the data you are looking at in the rear view mirror or with the teams that he had previously that weren't able to help him. So you're asking him to carry a team while he's getting chased from behind without a running game and do great things without having the team he has now. So like you can't look in the rear view mirror and tell me where I'm going to go forward. And all we've seen so far going forward is, yeah, there's been some mistakes, but college football is not about having a quarterback. That's going to go win you games. It's not. More times than not, you have a quarterback that ends up losing you a game than winning you a game. And Drew Aller, you're right, absolutely could have that upside. Could be the Tag of Iloa. Could be, you know, the Trevor Lawrence. Absolutely. But going into Michigan, going into Ohio State, you can't tell me seriously that you would rather go with that guy than a guy that we at least have seen so far this year. You know, whatever amount of touchdowns, 13, 13 touchdowns and two turnovers. You can't tell me that you are going to choose the unknown 
over over the known. He's not the best thing in the world, but it's not about winning the games as the quarterback all the time because I think they do have a good enough running game finally. I think they actually, we were talking about before you came on, we're actually surprised that when it comes to the passing game, we're more concerned about the receivers than we are the offensive line. Like this is, you can't compare 2020, 2021 Clifford, even when he was hurt. To, to what we have now and, and Clifford from what we've seen so far ha, ha, is going to give you a better chance to win at the end of the day at Michigan at, and against Ohio state. I, I have a different view into when you say that doesn't happen in college football, I'm willing to accept that line of argument up to, up to a point, And that point is where Penn state wants to go. Stenson the, the Bennett. Teams, the Stenson teams, Bennett. <laughs> I, you know, Kay that, McNamara that's... was in the playoff last year and he doesn't even start anymore. So I don't want to hear it about having to have the best of the best quarterback. We we've seen that time and again. It really helps. And it makes up if you don't have a great defense. But we have seen it time and time again. If you have a good running game and, and not even to get in all of the great Alabama teams, if you have a good enough running game and you have a good defense, that gives you a really good shot. And also, you got to be pretty lucky to get that far. I, I'll say this. I don't think Penn State has either one of those things that Georgia had last year. And, and that's not to say that they don't have a good team, that they don't have a great team. But we're talking about what's the difference between great and elite. And I think the fastest path to that is having the best player at the best position. And, and that's been demonstrated in plenty of other examples of the teams that not only get to the playoff, but win in the playoff. Um, and, and so I, I guess I just fundamentally disagree in terms of you know what what is if you make the best case for Sean Clifford can he get it done yes is is the top of of Sean Clifford's potential enough potentially and you know if we're sitting here in a month and they've won one of the two big games you know then I will have I will gladly eat eat crow and say that kid you know excuse me pardon my French stacked up and went out and beat one of these teams, and now they have a glide path to 11 and one, and possibly, you know, a, a, a berth in the playoff if if things break correctly for you. I'd I'd love to to sit here in a month with you guys and have that conversation. I just, in my heart of hearts, don't believe that that's what's going to happen, and and so if I if that's what I believe, then logic just takes me. Well, what can you do to change that outcome? And to me. The quarterback is the most obvious place to do it. Um, so, you know, you guys are more hopeful about this team than I am. And, and that's that's great. That's 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 what makes sports great is that we can have these these disagreements and you guys can point to me in a month and tell me I'm wrong. But in my heart of hearts, I can't say I think they're going to win these two games. Um, and, and if that's the case, I just have to go where logic takes me from there. Yeah, and right. I think that's I understand what you're saying, but we're not. I mean, it sounds like we're pro. We're like we're 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 huge on Sean Clifford because we're really not. But it's it's just the logical thing to sit on the sidelines and say, look, like he gives us the best chance right now. Therefore, he should play. That that's the bottom line. Like you're you know everything that you said is true, um, but right now it, it's not even about eating crow in a couple months. It's like well, right now and, and a year from now when Drowler's you know first for Heisman, we can look back and say, yeah, maybe he could have been ready and maybe he could have done those things. But a second year in the system and, and learning from Clifford could have been. So it's it's never going to be, oh, we can look back and 100% know for sure, right? Sean, I know you had a question for him. 
Yeah. And look, I mean, it's, I think, I, I think I agree with you. Like the Stetson Bennett, um, Georgia example, Georgia just had more talent than this Penn State team has. Absolutely. I don't agree with Absolutely. that at all. Um, but I think a more comparable comparison might be Michigan last year. I mean, Michigan went and uh, they hosted Ohio State like Penn State is this year. Kate McNamara was 13 and 19, 159 yards passing and an interception. I could very well see Sean Clifford playing like that against <laughs> Ohio State. I mean, let's all be real. We could all see that. We could all see that happening. Uh, he might play better, too. He might, he might play worse. But if you could keep the number of passes down that he has to throw, like between 1926, between like 19 attempts, 26 attempts, and we could pound the rock, which this Ohio State team, which these Ohio State teams in recent years have shown they could be vulnerable against the run. I mean, why not just stick with your guy instead of experimenting with the with an un, with an unproven freshman? And I even have to kind of admit, Adam. I mean, Drew Aller is unproven right now. We all agree on his talent, but he is unproven. And we have no idea. And, and you know that the running game will not be as good with Drew Aller as it is with Sean Clifford, too. I mean, here's the thing, guys. If I thought, I'm going to get back to the point I just made. If I thought Penn State was going to pave Ohio State at home and, and that they could win with him only throwing 19 times, sure. I mean, sign me up for that. I just, in my heart of hearts, don't believe it. Uh, and I have to, I have to see it to believe that that's, that that's really going to happen. And I have to see it against Michigan to believe that they're going to go into Ohio State. They're not going into Ohio State. They're to, but to face Ohio State, to go into that game and have that chance. Yeah, I mean, if that's the, the hypothetical we're setting up, it, can, can Sean Clifford win throwing 19 passes while Nick Singleton and Catron Allen just run over Ohio State? Then sure. I just I don't believe in the rest of this team enough to, to say that that's – and that's not to say that they haven't made progress and that – you can't be excited about Nick Singleton or Katron Allen or, or, um, you know, Brenton Strange or any of these guys. I just don't that recipe. I'm gonna have to see it to believe it. No, and I get that. That's fair. I was just curious. I, I looked them up real quick. So obviously, 23 attempts for McSorley and 16 and 17, 28 combined attempts before Clifford got hurt in 2021. I'm just gonna ignore. Uh, 2020 Clifford threw 52 times 35 for 52 Penn State ran for 22 yards if you take out the sack yardage and so okay so right there you, you see if if Penn State obviously I think we can agree it's going to run for more than 33 yards this year against Ohio State and if that just means Clifford throws the ball 15 less times I mean that to me gives you a pretty good fighter's chance um I mean, I, I like you said, we, we can go back and forth on it, but it, in previous examples, besides last year when they literally couldn't run the ball at all, they've kept the attempts under 30 in, in past years. So I, I don't think that's too far-fetched to keep it under 30. Um, Sean, did we have one more question for him? Did we want to? Yeah. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, um, and I think you kind of already answered this a little bit, um, and I'm sure because, you know, you want you want Penn State to win and everything. So I'm sure, like, you would rather see Clifford start in Penn State win than Drew Aller start in Penn State lose because, like, you know, I don't think this is, like, a competition to be right. And, like, one of the things I hate 
about this is it kind of reminds me of politics. You know, there's an Aller camp, there's a Clifford camp, and the Clifford camp, and the Aller camp is, oh, Sean Clifford sucks, and my guy is great. And the Clifford camp, I mean, it's not too true anti-Drew Aller right now, but it's like Cliff could, Cliff is awesome and he doesn't need to improve, even though I haven't heard that as much from the Clifford camp. Um, so I'm sure you would rather Penn State start or Penn State start Clifford and win than Aller start and Penn State lose, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I I hope you guys feel at least that there's some sincerity coming across here. Like this is I do, I, I do. That's this, why I the thought way this jumped off with us is you know you guys kind of feeling like I hate Penn State, and I I got to articulate to you guys, I I went to Penn State during the Sandusky scandal. I graduated in 2013 right in the teeth of that. I have a natural streak of not trusting authority at this particular institution, and I still cover the the school to the extent that I'm involved with it because we have a Penn State beat writer. His name is Andrew Destin. He's the guy who's in there every day. He does a great job. He just graduated from the Collegian. Um, you know, he's, 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 I'm, we're, I'm so happy we got him because I think he's going to, do a great job covering the team for us. Um, you know, but, but to, to the extent that I am involved in Penn state coverage, I believe in doing it critically. And to me, that's not about, you know, I think you guys made an implication at some point that I'm, I'm looking for clicks. Trust me when I say that if I want to get clicks in Pittsburgh, Penn state's low on the list of the, like wells, I'm going to go to, I'm going to go to the Antonio Brown. Well, okay. Like that's, that's where the, the clicks come <laughs> from i'm saying these things because i genuinely believe them and and you know maybe we can get into this another time but some of these things where i was critical of penn state particularly in the last five years about how they handled um the pat chambers situation it's coming from a genuine place and and it's not you know i'm not looking to to get clicks and to your point no i i i'm not i'm not committed enough to being right to not, you know, to to just want to see that happen, you know, if Penn State beats yeah. goes into Michigan and wins with Sean Clifford, then that's great for Penn State, and and I'm not going to be the guy who's carping and and you know trying to put a negative spin on it because th- there is no negative spin to put on it. If he goes in and does that and proves it to me, then then great. That's what makes sports great. That's what that's what I love about sports is that sometimes you get something you don't expect. But I also operate from the perspective of where am I now and what do I think is going to happen? And if this is the most likely outcome, then what do I think Penn State should do? That's my logic tree. And so that's that's how I arrived at that. I, I'd love to be wrong. And, and, you know, I'll be the first to come on here and say I was wrong. I don't have that kind of ego the way a lot of sports, ex, you know, sports writers do. Um you know, I, I don't make picks as much as a lot of guys do. I don't I don't handicap on the weekend and pretend that I like should be in Vegas picking games because I'm kind of some kind of genius. I hate that perception of our industry because that's that's not what we're here to do. We're here to analyze and we're here to, to provide information. And and this is my analysis and it's coming from a genuine place. And I hope that comes across to you guys. Yeah. No, I respect yeah, definitely. that. And that's what, that's what we're here that. to do. I mean, we're here to give an honest uh, perspective and tell our truth, tell our truths. And yeah. And I really appreciate you coming on for sure. Because yeah, I, and let I it be, really let it be known too. Yeah. Let it be known too. Like if something God forbid happens to Clifford and, and Aller comes in there, I'm, 
very excited to see what the young man can do and, and very excited to see if he can, you know, hit on those big throws and, and maybe open up the offense a little bit more. That'd be that'd be just as fine with me, too. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I respect that tremendously. And uh, and uh, we really appreciate you coming on. And and hopefully, hopefully Penn State is able to find a way to to win a couple more of those games in October than than what's to be expected right now. Thanks, guys. Hey, can I do a plug real quick? Yeah, yeah. You're what? on. Uh, you just started your YouTube channel not too long ago, right? Yeah, yeah. The Post Gazette um, Sports Department. We just started a YouTube channel. We're doing videos Sunday through Friday. Um, we're doing podcast episodes Monday, Wednesday, Friday. We're doing um, a college show, which is probably the thing you guys will be most interested in on Thursdays with Andrew Destin, who I mentioned earlier, and Noah Hiles. Um, our uh, college you know, pit, pit beat reporter. Um, you'll see me on Tuesdays. I actually did 40 minutes on this exact topic on YouTube. So if you if you if you want more Sean Clifford talk with me and Andrew Destin, check that out on uh, the Post Gazette Sports YouTube page. And um, please consider subscribing to the Post Gazette. We have a subscription deal right now: six dollars for six months of access. That's a dollar a month uh, for the rest of football season for everything we're writing about Penn State everything we're writing about Pitt, everything we're writing about the Steelers. So if you're one of those people, particularly in Western Pennsylvania, who, um, you know, follows all three of those teams, you're not going to find a better bargain out there. So please consider that. Um, and thank you guys again so much for having me on. Yeah, yeah. Um, did you drop your Twitter handle, handle too? You can go ahead and do that if you want, if people want to uh, find you on Twitter as well. If you want to be where most of our if, people are. If you want to submit your submit yourself to my, my grumpy Twitter, tweets it's at fujimaster24 f-u-g-i-m-a-s-t-e-r 24 um we'll, we'll i'll explain the origin of that on a different podcast absolutely well we appreciate it man like i said a lot of our people are kind of on twitter so that that's probably where people are going to find you first adam i respect you coming on here i'm glad you fleshed out your idea i actually specifically didn't listen to your the latest what you had on on aller and clifford because i wanted to wait until you came on here first and i, and I got it from the horse's mouth per se but uh, we appreciate it, man. Uh, again, not a lot of people will take you know an hour of their time on a random Wednesday to, to, to discuss this. So we appreciate it. Absolutely, guys. You guys enjoy the rest of the season. Thanks, man. Thank you. You too. All righty. Hope you guys enjoyed that interview with Adam Bittner from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Again, make sure you follow him on Twitter. They just put up a YouTube channel, I think, at the beginning of the season. So make sure to check that out as well. Sean. Do you we we've talked about Drew Aller and Sean Clifford now on two back-to-back episodes. Is there any final thoughts you have on that conversation before we move? I mean, I haven't looked at all the fan questions yet and bold predictions, but I'm sure this is probably not the end of the conversation. <laughs> yeah, I have a feeling we'll be revisiting this uh, throughout the year. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, right now, my opinion from the beginning of the season really hasn't changed very much. Um, and that's that do I worry about Sean Clifford? I do. I do. Um, but do I think he gives Penn State the best chance to win right now? I also I also think that. So gotta see what happens this week. Um well next week. <laughs> and hopefully the hopefully he could manage the game well at Michigan. And we could come out with a big dub. Yeah. Um, I'm just curious. 
you know, what Clifford will have to do for because if Penn State wins, Penn State wins, that's great. But let's say it's a real like let's just say Penn State's able to run the ball really well. And maybe Clifford hits a screen to Singleton for a touchdown. He has like a play action pass to Strange for a touchdown. And then let's just say Catron Allen has two rushing touchdowns. It's like a mediocre, I don't know, buck thirty, buck let's just say a buck eighty for Clifford on the day. Maybe even an interception. I'm just curious if that conversation, you know, that that probably goes from Clifford can't win you the game to, well, maybe Michigan A wasn't as good as they thought, and and B, you know, it wasn't because of Clifford. So I, I, I and that's not necessarily about Adam, but but just the stuff we've seen on Twitter as far as what Sean Clifford's capable of doing. I'm just I'm waiting for those goalposts to kind of be moved, and and then again, fans will be still be tweeting at us and still be you know, saying that Clifford hasn't been able to do anything. Yeah, and I'm sure with a certain segment of um, the people who are supporting Drew Aller and think Drew Aller should be starting, it's not going to be good enough because you know how I know? The Auburn game. And a lot of people, now I predict the Penn State to lose, but if you go back, I didn't expect them to lose because of Sean Clifford. Um, but a lot of the people who were predicting Penn State to lose because of Sean Clifford, um, they they just said, oh, well, he just managed the game. Oh, so like what quarterbacks do when their run game is dominating, when their defense is eating, when they only have to make play, when they only have to make enough plays to, you know, manage the game. Third and five, you got to be able to make a throw. Um, you know, you see a running lane, you take off and you take it. And you try to pick up some yards. You try not to get your head almost torn off like Sean Clifford in that first drive. But you you just take what the defense is giving you. I'm fine winning that way. You know why I'm fine winning that way? Because Michigan won that way last year. Cool with me. That doesn't need to be sexy for me. Yeah, and I know it's not necessarily fair to go all the way back to the 80s. But Penn State's two national championships didn't come with their two best quarterbacks. I mean, you could argue that they did it that exact way. And that's, that's the, you know, the old school way of thinking, but I still think it kind of applies. I mean, you win most, you, you don't lose most of your games before you win them. You could honestly argue they won the game at Purdue. They, they didn't lose the game against Auburn. So yeah, I, I, I think it's, it's slept on as far as just being a, good not great quarterback everybody wants the trevor lawrence's everybody wants what maybe drawler could be but again you, at the end of the day if you don't have that and you're not 100 percent sure that you do have that with a different guy anyway i i don't know how you i don't know how you go away from it but um yeah. is the horse dead sean did we beat it to death we did i think it's time to talk about other things now <laughs> yeah um <laughs> I just went back and looked at even against Michigan last year, 23 of 43, 205, one touchdown, and he had 16 yards rushing, including sacks. But he threw the ball how many times? 43, 23 for 43. If Penn State has to throw the ball 43 times, they will lose next Saturday. Yeah, I I think so too. (laughs) You know, Kevon Lee actually ended up having Kevon Lee and, and John Lovett combined actually still had about a 4.35 yards per carry average there. So, but really the game, the reason they lost against Michigan last year was literally because of sacks. I mean, there's just no other way to say it. Right. I mean, and even then they almost won it. So even with 43 attempts, 
And, and again, no turnovers from Sean Clifford in that game, but they obviously had that bad play on the fake field goal. But um, anywho, before we get to the fan Oof. questions, was there any? I, I had one thought about. I really think the Penn State defensive line is playing at their best football right now. Um, coming out of the Northwestern game, I, I had that thought. I thought the secondary is playing tremendously well, and I think I thought I guess that's all of my points I wanted to recap. I think we talked a little bit about that with Donnie Collins as well. Yeah, I I think PJ Mustafer really playing like the PJ Mustafer of old. Like e- each week we kind of track almost. Uh, I don't even think intentionally like how PJ has been playing. And, you know, to start off the year, he started a little slow um, against Purdue. I would say, though, that Purdue, I mean, what P.J. Mustafer does for this defense doesn't really fit, um, you know, fit Purdue. But in these games coming up, in these games against Michigan, against Minnesota, against Ohio State, all teams that could really pound the rock. Yeah, that's what P.J. Mustafer lives for, man. And last year, we really, really missed him against uh, Michigan and Ohio State. I mean, God, you can make the argument if we had him against Michigan, we might have won that game. Because Hassan Haskins, I mean, we just he just wore on the defense eventually. And I thought the defensive line overall, you know, filled in pretty admirably for uh, P.J. Mustafer. But you really, really notice the difference against those teams and against Michigan State when Kenneth Walker had a great game against us. So PJ is a guy that I'm looking for continuing to get back to where he was. And guys, I think he's getting close. And if he could start rushing the quarterback like he was doing it uh, right before he got hurt last year, look out. Yeah, yeah. I think that's something to be really excited about going into October because – after that Purdue game, I think we were both like, well, yeah, they looked good in the fourth quarter. But, I mean, if they played Purdue now, I really think the the defensive line has taken a couple steps in the right direction. So, yeah, that makes me feel, me a, lot, feel a lot better as far as that. And it, it's coming at a good time. You brought up Hassan Haskins. I really think Penn State had to choose between Haskins and Corum leaving. I think they should be really happy they're not facing Hassan Haskins on Saturday. That dude just – like talking about like Katron Allen and following forward, he's like a combination of Katron Allen and Kevon Lee, like the good stuff. Like, yep, runs kind of like Kevon Lee has vision, kind of like uh, Katron Allen. He, he's in the NFL now for a reason. So, um, yeah, I think, and then that's nothing against Corm. I think Corm's really good, but I think Hassan Askins was was another level of good. Um, all right, are you ready to go through these? I I, I don't know how well we're gonna be as far as like separating the bold from the questions, but we'll just talk about them all the same. Thank you guys. We got a bunch of responses. Yeah. A lot of takes this week. Love it. Yeah. And it's, it's bye week So it makes sense. Um, just to give you guys an idea the Sunday show is going to be more of like a recap and review of kind of what our season preview was, what we think is good, what, what we think is bad. So we'll dive deeper into that on the Sunday show. And maybe, maybe we'll have a guest as well. Anywho. All right. I'm just going to read them from the top down, Sean, and we're just going to kind of see how it goes. Um, all right. This one's from Mike Vales. He says, if Clipper doesn't play well against Michigan, it will be his last start at Penn State. Now, we've talked about this one a lot. Um, is there anything else you want to add to that? Right back into the Sean Clifford. Mm-hmm. Just as you think you're at, they pull me back. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yes, we are all Michael Corleone, the Godfather Part 3 right now. Um, 
so, you know, my father and I were actually talking about this possibility before we talked to Adam and before this pod, you know, what if Cliff doesn't play well next week and what if we lose? So, I mean, I kind of have to see it happen. Like that's something that is very hard for me to do hypothetically. Um, but you know, if, and I feel like I'd go back and forth on it and you're, I would probably lean towards starting Sean Clifford against, against Minnesota, but I really don't know. I'd have to see how he played because on this, on one hand, what Adam said was true. We do know pretty much what Sean Clifford is right now. And we think that he gives Penn state the best chance to win. And I think the best argument that, you know, people who think Isla should start have, and I think this is their, and I think it, in anything, if you have an opposing view from someone, you should always know their best argument. That's just a little fat. That's just a little uh, life tip for you. And I think their best argument is why not just start Drew Aller if Sean Clifford's going to make similar mistakes? Why not just go with the young, talented guy? And I think if Sean Clifford kind of, you know, what's the bet at Michigan? Yeah, maybe you have to think about it. But I have a feeling he's not going to. I think he's going to play pretty good against Michigan. I really do. I think if that if, if this happens, Aller's going to play at the end of that game anyway. Because if, if, if he plays that bad, That's right. we're going to see Aller anyway. So that will, will kind of alleviate that question mark. Um, so, yeah. I, I Regardless, I'm going to still say no. But again, I think it's going to have to be two games because, again, is James Franklin really going to go in that locker room and say, OK, since we've lost the game and we can't. We can't necessarily beat Ohio State with you, Sean, we're going to go to Aller and just assume we can't make you know our goals for the year. Like and, and you can you can change the way you say that. Right. You could say, oh, we we're better with Aller. But that's not the way it's really being argued. So, yeah, I, I'm going to go ahead and, and, and say and the Minnesota game is a, an opportunity, perhaps, to get right and to get momentum before the Ohio State game, in my opinion. And I know a lot of people are higher on Minnesota than me, but I think that's still an opportunity to kind of get right, get the momentum, have like a Michigan 2017-ish day where everything's just having a party, and now all of a sudden you got some momentum going to Ohio State. So I, I, it's yeah. hard for me to say you just burn as soon as you lose to Michigan. Yeah, I think I, I think you convinced me, Corey. So what I would think if we laid an egg next week, I would still say start him against Clifford against Minnesota. But if Clifford's struggling again against Minnesota, then I think you have to think about going Aller during that game. But yeah. like you said, we might go to Aller anyway against Michigan. Yeah. So if he struggles. Um, so I think hypotheticals like this are kind of difficult. Yes. I will say, if Aller were to lead us back against Michigan, then I think you make a really good argument Aller should start against a Minnesota. If, if he leads oh. us back against Michigan, then I oh, think you yes. make an excellent argument you start him against yes. Minnesota. That's, it's over at that point. It's over. Yep. If, then he if got Clifford the has like, If Clifford has two picks, even at halftime, and it's like 14 or 17 nothing, and like, hey, you don't have it. You're like blatantly awful throws. Like, remember that one interception against Indiana where he just overshot Friar Muth completely? Like, if he has mm-hmm. like two throws like that and it's like 17 nothing at half, and you know, and then Aller brings him back to win it, I mean, that that's end of the discussion at that point. So, anyway, yeah, because 
yeah, you don't want like a Matt McGloin, Rob Bolden thing from 2011 where they just kept starting Bolden every week and McGloin would come bail us out because then it's a clown show. Yeah, <laughs> we don't want clown shows, man. Anyway, no, um, we're big enough clowns as it is. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say Dorito Bandit responded to Mike and he said, if they lose the both Michigan and Minnesota and it's Cliff's fault, because let's be clear, they could lose even if he plays well, then I'd be on board with Aller starting. So we're a little bit we're we're saying if they lose two games, Aller should get the start. I don't necessarily like feeding him to the Wolves. That is Ohio State. But at that point, I mean, what else can you do? Uh, next question from Aaron. He, Aaron's very active on Twitter, so we appreciate that. He said, but Aaron, you could be a little bit nicer, if we're going to be honest. You kind of go with things a little bit rough sometimes. You come in guns blazing. We appreciate it, but you could be a smidge nicer about how you do it, if we're going to be picky. Um, who's a better running back, Tank Bigsby or Blake Corum? Sean, I guess I'll go first. Oh, someone responded, by the way, and said Tank Smith, which I thought was hilarious. Um, <laughs> shout out to Tank Smith. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say Tank Bigsby. And it's really not fair because his offensive line isn't great. And obviously they got down big. But there were moments where I thought Tank Bigsby was going to break one on us. And I think he has a really good size for speed difference. Blake Corm probably a little bit quicker. But I think I like Tank Bigsby more. I like Bigsby too. I would rather Bigsby. Uh, I like Blake Corm, But he's very much a speed. You know, he just kind of had. He's very much a speed guy. But I kind of like the balance that Tank Bigsby had has. Um, let me put it this way: I'm more concerned. I was more concerned about Tank Bigsby than I am about Blake Quorum coming up. Wow. Okay. A little hint, hint, nudge, nudge. There. But but Michigan does have a better offensive line than Auburn. No yes. question. <clears throat> yeah. No, for sure. Um, I'm surprised we agreed with that one. I think if you're an NFL scout, you're taking Bigsby way before Quorum, in my opinion. But I would say so too. Yeah. Um, this is from Cowboy Ribeye, who's also been very active on Twitter, so we appreciate that. If we game plan to stop the run, Michigan's wide receivers can't beat our secondary. J.J. McCarthy forced to win the game, win number one. If we can't slow the run game down, could get ugly. I feel like the depth on the line helps us a lot. It won't be like Arkansas. Going back to the Outback Bowl. Rest in peace, Art Outback Bowl. Um, I think... The way he outlines that first part is pretty important. I think that's the best way for Penn State to win, right? Stop the run. Let Joey Porter Jr., let Kalen King, let, let them eat on the outside. And we have a small sample size, but J.J. McCarthy seems to be a little bit more of a gunslinger. Might force a couple balls, might fumble the ball compared to Cade McNamara, who seems a little bit more reserved. So I think you could see more of an opportunity for turnovers there, Sean. Yeah, yeah, um, because um, J.J. McCarthy really hasn't been asked to win a game yet. Uh, they played an Iowa team that I don't really think was ever really a threat to them. Um, and the rest of their schedule, they, they did beat Maryland, but Blake Corm is really the reason they beat Maryland. Um, yeah, I think the key to stopping Michigan is taking the runaway as much as you possibly can because they have a good offensive line. Blake Quorum is a really good running back, uh, so it's going to be a challenge. Uh, but like, but I do love the depth that we have, uh, just like Cowboy Ribeye does. 
on the defensive line. Um, but again, something that worries me about this defense, and it has for a long time, worries me more. The, the, the thing about this defense that worries me is the linebackers. Uh, we all know Jacobs and Carter are very good. Uh, but the rest of them, I mean, they all, they're all, you know, it's time for the middle linebackers. They got to put their big boy pants on now. You know, it's time to grow up. And we're going to see if they're, if they're ready to really compete and do what you need to do to help, to help us win a big 10 championship and starts this week. Put those huggies on. Be a real Next boy. week. That's yeah, right. Next week. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. And again, I feel better about the linebackers than I did a month ago too, but I do too. I do is too. that enough? That's, that's a good question. Um, this is from tailgate talk, uh, PSU tailgate talk, the four guys. If two's not enough, go to four. They, uh, they're on YouTube, and they have a little podcast for Penn State football. So if you don't have enough, I mean, listen to ours first. But if, then if you need more, go to them. Um, yeah. I, I've, listened, I've, I've listened a little bit to them. They got some good stuff over there. Anyway, they said, would be more surprised if we go 0-3 against Michigan, Minnesota, and Ohio State than if we, go, than if we went 3-0. and And this is where I asked Donnie Collins about this later in the show. Or actually, I already did ask him. Um from when we've recorded this part. Um, then they said, this team is talented enough to beat anyone on the schedule. Question is consistency. And then Aaron pops in and says, and staying healthy. I don't want to go too much down this one because I feel like we've already kind of talked about it with Donnie. But, man, I disagree with that statement. <laughs> I mean, it's not very many. You could put Georgia or Alabama in that schedule. And again, you could honestly just ignore Minnesota in my point of view. Watch them lose. That'd be the only one that lose now that I've said that multiple times. But uh, <laughs> you could put Georgia, Alabama in this three-week schedule at Michigan, home Minnesota, and then against Ohio State. And I, I would feel better about them going 3-0 than 0-3, but not by much. I mean, it's just not an easy thing to come back from a loss Um and respond with a win. And if you don't win at Minnesota, then you have to play Ohio state. So, and we know how Penn state plays after losses, right? The first loss I should say. So I would say very, very bold, like 9.5 on the bold scale. So I'm sorry, what would your, so you would say three and all over Owen three. No, I'm saying Owen three over three and Oh, okay. 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 Easily. Yeah. Yeah. I would too. Um, and I feel good. I feel good about winning at least one of these. I, I mean, I don't want to preview my picks, but you saw what I picked at the beginning of the year. I mean, so I'm expecting to win at least one of these. And I kind of think all in three and three and oh are the least likely possibilities. And I would go oh and three. Um, but I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm with you. Um, Kyle Craybills. Now he DM'd us afterwards and said he was just trolling, but he said, Drew Aller team from here on out. And then there was a lot of responses to that. And, uh, I don't want to say we have a little bit of a following now on Twitter, but we definitely have some regulars and they don't let, they don't let stuff like that fly. So good on you guys. Um, anyway, I thought that was, are we going to, are we going to, are we going to talk about it? No, we're not. (laughs) We're going to move on. Unless no, we're not you, gonna talk. no, I'm good. We, we can wait till Sunday. I think we can wait till Sunday to go <laughs> yeah, down I that think road. we can wait a little bit. <clears throat> um, Dan Weller, Singleton bounces back 
fresh off a bye week with 100 plus yards rushing and two touchdowns. I feel like this is more if we're going to make the argument for like which game is better for each running back, I would argue the Michigan game is actually better for Katron Allen and the Singleton game might be better for for Ohio State. Um now they 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 just complement each other so well, but um if he has 100 yards rushing and two touchdowns, Sean, I really feel good that Penn State wins the game. Which wasn't part of the, his bold take, but I just wanted to say that. <laughs> <laughs> I do too. And let me ask you this, Corey: How many points do you think it'll take to win this one? I think if we get to, like, what's the no, magic number you think? Previous years, right? Previous years, I would have said twenty-four. I really think Michigan has a better offense and maybe not as good of a defense, right? Because like that. Penn State or eh, Penn State that Michigan Maryland game was what? What was the score of that one? Do you remember? Like twenty? Um, I can tell you right now. Twenty-seven. It was 20? like thirty. Yeah, it was like thirty-four twenty-seven or something. Um, so they scored thirty-four yeah. twenty-seven. Yep. Okay. So they scored. Michigan scored thirty-four. Now Maryland's defense isn't very good. So let's just say I think whoever scores thirty wins. How about that? I do too. I think if we could hold Michigan under, well, I think if we could cross that 30 point threshold, I think we win this game. So, yeah, I mean, if Singleton could score two of those touchdowns, well, there's almost half the points right there. Um, And then, you know, Clifford adds a touchdown, um, adds a touchdown pass. Maybe Katron Allen gets in. All right, there's 28. Jake Penninger field goal. Yeah. Boom, bam. 31 28. We went at the big house. Yeah, I think Clifford, it could ease like bare minimum is going to be responsible for two touchdowns. I don't think he had yeah. one last year, and <clears throat> really was just kind of hobbling around and getting sacked the whole game. So I think two yeah. minimum for him, whether that's a quarterback sneak and a third of Brenton Strange, whatever the case may be. Um, so I think that's that gets you to 14 right there. And if this happens, what Dan Weller says, then you're already at 28. So, yeah, I, I think that's not – I think the touchdowns by Singleton isn't bold. I think the 100 yards rushing by yeah. Singleton alone is, is is pretty bold, especially since Catron Allen's going to get about 20 carries as well. And Singleton's known to get a lot of his yards on those long runs. So I think that's that – That's true, um, though. Yeah, he could just break one, right? He could break two yeah. and be done with it. So – Maybe not crazy, like a seven out of ten on a bold scale. Yeah, that, that's about right. I do now. Dan Weller's profile picture is a ten out of ten. I love that picture, James Franklin with the face <laughs> paint on. It's so it gets me every time. <laughs> yeah, it, I don't I don't know about that, but it, it's terrifying. Um, <laughs> I want to shout out NC Nittany because they're often asking questions and stuff. They asked us about fumbles. I think we covered fumbles pretty well in the last episode so definitely go back and listen to that um so i'm not going to cover that again sean but but shout out to them if you're not following them on twitter this one's from jerry uh this is only two hours ago deny dennis sutton gets at least one sack in a big moment Mm. which i mean that's bold i mean that's ambiguous it's spicy and i like it because I could see it happening. I, I've been yeah. banging the table for Deny Dennis Sutton to get more playing time. So I would love to see it. We had Randy Seeley ask us a question last week about why Deny Dennis Sutton isn't playing more. And then he comes back and has the penalty the following week. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. That's true. 
yeah, I think they're going to keep guys fresh. So I wouldn't be surprised if there's a, a third down sack. And also, <clears throat> I think that the 24-7 sports guys said this a bunch. A lot of teams haven't really held on the ball to try to throw the ball deep down the field yet. Like they've been taking their – that's why the yards per attempt is at like 5.8 right now. I think Michigan might try to throw it deep down the field. They got some good receivers in, in, in Roman Wilson and Ronnie Bell. So – I think they might hold on to it a little bit more, and I think that might open up opportunities for a couple more sacks. So keep that in mind. A little fun yeah. tidbit. But we'll have to wait and see. Uh, Zachary Snyder. By the way, Zachary Snyder gave us a little bit of love on Twitter. about He just started listening to the podcast, and he really enjoys it, so that's cool. Um, he says, we take two consecutive snaps under center in the first half. Just kidding. My take is Harrison Wallace has two touchdowns in the next three games. He loved what he saw on Saturday, even without lots of targets. Two touchdowns next three games. I'm gonna put that on a on a on like a three or a three and a half on the bold scale because let's just assume Keandre Lambert Smith doesn't play for this, Sean. Two touchdowns in three games. Yeah, I think that's not too bold. Yeah, it's not too bold, but I think it would be big. You know what this offense needs? That they need. I'm, I mean, they need a couple of things, but a Zaid Blacknell type guy where, you know, he's, he's not one of the top two guys, maybe including tight end is not one of the top three, but he's just somebody you could trust in a big game to go and make a play. And I'm wondering if Harrison Wallace could be like that, where you could just throw it up to him and he's, you know, a pretty sizable guy. You can go up and get it and really change momentum for you. So I, I do like, I do like to take, and it's about, and Harrison Wallace, he's pretty decent at getting open. And the big thing with him has been consistency, just like, kind of like Zaye Blacknell <laughs> at Penn State was just being, con- trying to get consistent. So yeah, I could definitely see that. Yeah, I wish he'd change his number, because I just think about the, the receiver <clears throat> who did not do very well wearing number six that the transfer mm. to Florida. Um, but yeah, I actually yeah. like Wallace after the catch, too. I think he does some good things after the catch. Me too. Um, <clears throat> This is from Start Aller. So get what this one is. Aller will play versus Michigan. That's all they said. And I just wanted to say that because I thought it was funny. Um, Sean, I'm not So we're not, we're not addressing it? Dorito Bandit had his own question. Blake Horm has 10 touchdowns. The receiving core has eight combined, and three of those are one player. Given that we have Porter and King and Dixon to cover Wilson and Bell, the key, in my opinion, will be shut down Corum. What's your confidence level that the defense can limit his production? That's a great question. And I love the the, the data before dropping the question, too. Um, Sean, I'll let you go first. We kind of already talked about it, but yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I got to say, Dorito, Bandit, and us, we think, uh, we think a lot on the same page because we both said like the key is containing their run game. Because a big part of that is because we trust the secondary so much. Um, confidence level that we could shut that that um, they could limit his production. I think pretty high. Um, I, I think on a scale of one to ten, six and a half, seven, and against a really good running back, I think you take that any day of the week. Um, like I said, my question is the linebackers, um, specifically middle linebacker and Sam uh, Sutherland. Um, 
that's really my only concern. Do I think the defensive line matches up really well against uh, Michigan's offensive line? Though I, I, I do, I do. I think this is going to be, you know, for you people, for you know, your Penn State fans out there who love trench play, this game's going to be for you because I think whoever wins the trenches is going to win this one. Yeah, yeah. Let's just, yeah. My confidence level. I don't know. I'm, I think that's the key to the game. So I'm going to say I'm still 50-50 on it, to be honest. That's a cop-out, but I'm mm-hmm. not sure. I'm not sure yet. Um, Yoki, Penn State, says, might not be bold, but the inability to create big plays through the air on a consistent basis will cost us at least one, if not more, games. Again, we kind of talked a little bit about necessity versus you know, having to do it versus just doing it just so you can do it. Um. I don't think that's bold at all. I think that's a pretty realistic summation of how things are right now. Yeah. Yeah, they got to get things done more in the vertical passing game. You know, just have to do it. No question about it because it will limit what we can do. Um, But the good thing is we are getting way more, uh, you know, the, the, the home run balls have really been on the ground this year, which has been non-existent the last two years. Man, yeah, it would be awesome if Jahan was in this offense, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. Um, I just realized that we haven't technically put in the 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 Donnie Collins interview yet. So actually, the three and zero thing hasn't happened yet. But you guys will whatever. You guys will hear about that in a second. Um, I just realized that we hadn't got to that yet. Um, all right. So, yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. I think that's, and I, I would love to see what Jahan Dotson could do. Um, a couple more here, Chris. Says Penn State will not will run the table this season, but not win the college football playoff. Rather, they use this year to build on what works and prepare to win the national title within the next couple of years. Hashtag, but that's just me. I love the confidence. Me too. Not gonna go that far at all. Penn, State, I don't really believe that anyone goes undefeated. Like at the beginning of the year, I think we said that. Like it's hard to go undefeated. And so even if Penn State had that was favored in all these games, I don't I don't think they would run the table. That's just how I view going undefeated. Yeah, the first part of uh, the bold, um, you know, the bold take, I disagree with. The second part's more interesting because what did I say in the season preview? I said I think we'll remember this team as the team that uh, stabilized things, and I think they're on their way to doing it. And we have a lot of talent coming back next year. Uh, that, you know, the, all these true freshmen that are really uh, producing and they're all, you know, ahead of schedule from what I thought. They're all, we still have two more years with them. We still have another year with Chop. We still have um, another year with Kalen King, at least. So, yeah, we should be really excited about next year. But, I mean, we're obviously focused on this year. And I think this team is on the way to stabilize the program. Yeah, and um, we can talk more about that, obviously, on Sunday, too, about what we kind of we're talking about <clears throat> this preseason. Connor uh, McAfee, I don't think it's related to Pat McAfee, said Clifford balls out in the in these three game in this three game stretch. Excuse me. He's at his best in big games and at his worst in games like Northwestern. That's actually a pretty decent point. He got some upvotes yep. on that one. Um I don't know what balls out necessarily means exactly as far as numbers go, but I think that's a fair take. That's not what our fans are going to say, but I I can agree with that. 
when he's healthy, he has his moments. I mean, go to the Auburn game for Pete's sake. I mean, there are multiple third downs he throws the ball to convert to keep the drive going. I mean, I think people look at the back of that game and just think Penn State ran all over him. But but Clifford made some throws in third and long situations, and he had a nice run for a touchdown. So, And that's honestly probably been his most consistently over-the-top best game. And then even against Purdue, when it mattered most, he stepped up. So, yeah, I, I, I to a certain extent, I agree with Mr. Connor McAvee. Yeah. Um, you know, Cliff has, has a history of playing well in big games and yeah, like (laughs) a lot of the games where he struggled a lot and what it was against teams like Northwestern, uh, last year against Illinois, um, uh, against Rutgers, um, well, last year against Rutgers, he, he, he was, he, he was sick with something, but yeah, I think the team in general, uh, seems to really crank it up against better teams. Um, so yeah, I think Clifford. I don't know if like 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 Corey said. I don't know if falls out. I I don't know. I don't know about that. But I could see him playing well. Yep. Yep. And like falls out. I mean, do you consider the the Auburn game balling out? I mean, I guess you could. I would because say so. he managed the game well. I mean, yeah, and like Corey said, like sometimes, like I think game manager, it, it it gets a negative connotation. I really don't think it should, because he took what the defense gave him, converted third downs, kept us on the field. Actually, he made a few nice throws, and yeah, he ran. He and he ran for a touchdown. So, yeah, I thought he played pretty pretty damn good against Auburn. I said I said it on the pod right after. Yeah, no, I'm with you there. Final one, Lucas Powers. Or no, I have two more. Lucas Powers says, Brent Strange trying and succeeding sometimes to hurdle defenses is stupid and is going to get him hurt, lead to him getting hurt. Um, He's talked about the opposite of that in interviews, saying he does it so people will stop attacking his knees. But he's not graceful with it, that's for sure. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's not exactly Saquon uh, level uh, hurdling. Uh, So I do understand that you have to be careful when to use that. And you don't want, because sometimes what could happen is you could hurdle a guy and then there's another guy waiting right there for you and you get uh, propelled like a helicopter in the air. So I agree, he does need to be more cautious with it. <laughs> yeah, going into the end zone, I think is fine, but yeah. Yeah, that's fine, like what he did on Saturday. That's totally fine because he kind of, you know, but you have to be careful when you do it as often as he's been doing it. Right. And final one, this is from Basic Blues Nation, Basic Blues. Um, They said, Sean Clifford goes over 300 yards, passing in three touchdowns against Michigan, Ohio State, and Michigan State this year. Just who he is, LOL. Man, that's bold. Over 300 yards passing means he probably throws about 35 passes. Um, Theoretically, they could lose those games, and he could have that yardage and trying to come back. So, I mean, nothing's stopping him from having – 300 yards passing, three touchdowns, and five interceptions, I guess. Yeah, I mean, if you could do... (laughs) I see what you're saying. Like, if we're down, like, like, you know, there's such a thing as, like, empty stats. And if we're down by, like, 17 points late in the game, well, Clifford, yeah, he could really rack up the stats. But I don't really really think we want him 
I'm, I mean, I, w- I would love it if we won and he, and he played that way, but I don't think he's that type of quarterback. You know what I mean? He, he could be that type of quarterback, but we're not always playing well when he's that type of quarterback. Yeah, I, I think you're playing usually where it means you don't have a running game. Otherwise, um, that's not right. the case. Um, you're not that guy, pal. You're not that guy, right? Right. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, okay. We got through all those. There's some good ones. There's some terrible ones. But we appreciate you guys nonetheless. Again, Hardcore PSUFB to be following us on Twitter. We hit over 3,000 followers on Twitter, so that was cool. Thank you, guys. It's been a... It's been a, it's been something on Twitter, but um, appreciate you nonetheless. We are now going to go to the Big Ten Pick'em with Donnie Collins, special guest guest picker. Um, we'll go to that right now. Make sure you get your pick'ems in. Again, those will probably close Friday sometime since there's a Friday, Friday Big Ten game. So, um, then we'll go to that right now, everybody. Enjoy. Now joining us on Hardcore Penn State Football, Donnie Collins with the Scranton Times Tribune. Donnie, how are you doing today? Doing well. How about you guys? Doing fantastic. Thanks for joining the show. We, oh, uh, no, no problem. Yeah. We appreciate the uh, the Twitter interaction you've been giving us lately. It's nice to have somebody on the same page as far as the Clifford Aller situation. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I think it's – it. I, what I what I don't like is – I don't want to say what I – yeah. What I don't like is is this idea that – Drew Allar was going to walk in and be better than Sean Clifford just because he's a five-star kid who has a lot of talent. And I, and I, and I know, hey, look, I've seen him play. He's got a, a ton of talent. He can throw the ball all over the yard. He's, he, he's, a, he, he's, a, he's a fine specimen as an athlete, all that. But, but you have to, to play that position at, the le- at this level, you have to be knowledgeable of the offense. And we just spent an entire summer writing stories about Sean Clifford being in the second year in this system and how much that's going to help him. I don't know if it's going to help Drew Allar being in the system for eight months and, and just going in there and, and, and trying to win on talent alone. I, the, the way I put it is you, 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 could put a, you could put the guy in a situation where he won't succeed, but you can't put him in a, a situation where he can't succeed. And I, I think putting him in early this season is a, is a no-win situation for the kid. And you want to develop him. So I, I just don't understand how – how people are going to say, well, Sean Clifford's not not doing a good job and he shouldn't be in there. He's, he's 5-0. and He's doing what he's supposed to be doing. The only statistic that matters at the end of the day, and that is one that um, is, is true right now for sure, and I, I agree with you. I mean, I think, if anything, Penn State's done a really good job of getting out of reps you know, as soon as they can, probably even sooner than maybe we had seen in the past with James Franklin. So um, I thought what your point about knowledge of the offense, I thought that was most evident in that Central Michigan game when, when Aller took that sack and on a, just didn't look like he even saw the, the guy coming free off the edge. So stuff like that, you know, you can't teach that stuff. And I'm glad you brought up the second year in the system for Sean Clifford because there are those Sean Clifford inconsistency moments. But, Donnie, otherwise, Clifford's looking pretty cool on the other side of the pillow so far this season. Yeah, let's be fair about what Sean Clifford is. I mean, he's he's a little bit slightly probably above average quarterback in college football. I mean, he's I would say he's a top 60 quarterback in, in, in Division One football. I, I don't think he's a top 10 guy by any means. I think Allard could be someday. But you don't have the running game you have if you don't have Cliff's knowledge of the defenses. He, he lines up, he gets you in the right spot, he gets the offensive line where they need – where they need to be he's, he's got everybody kind of on the same page and, and that helps the running game and the other thing is i mean you don't go into auburn 
in, into that kind of an atmosphere with a true freshman kid and expect to beat him. And, and because that atmosphere could overwhelm you. But atmospheres aren't going to overwhelm Clifford. He might get beat by the defense. He might be out-talented. He, he, that might be the case at Michigan. Who knows? But he's not going to go into that environment and wither. He's played in tough environments. So, so I, I think he's just been... Good. He's been good enough to win games. He's throughout his career. This is an amazing stat. He's undefeated in September. He's never lost a game in September. So I'm not sure this is a surprising start for him. But look in the past. Last year, they're they're five. They're in the exact same spot, five and zero, oh, looking at the top five in the country, and they they spiral. They lose at Iowa, but they lose at Iowa because Cliff got hurt. So this idea that his, oh, we've seen his ceiling. Well, his ceiling's a New Year's Six game. So that's pretty good. Let's see what he can, let's see what he can do. Until, until you lose two games, there's no debate here. He's got to be your quarterback. You brought him here to, to be the quarterback while Allard gets ready. And, and I don't, I mean, could you tell me as a, could a fan sit there and tell me Allard would have beaten Purdue? I, I, I don't know if he would have beaten Purdue. I'm not sure he goes into Auburn and wins. So you're, you're really... I th- I think Clifford got you two wins here. I really believe that. Yeah, um, I agree with that. Uh, have you seen anything in practice or during the games that would indicate to you that you would believe that Drew Aller gives Penn State a better chance to win than Sean Clifford? No, but that said, we're not going to see that. You, you don't see enough in practice uh, by design to yeah. determine whether... To, to determine really anything about any kind of aspect of this team. <laughs> I mean, that's, and, and that's, you know, they're bringing you in for 15, 20 minutes and they're showing you what they're going to show you. I mean, I, 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 we laughed about this early in the year. There was a, there was an open practice and someone asked, well, what do you think, what do you think we're going to see? And I said, we're going to see the punters. And that's what we saw. We saw about 10 minutes of punters and five minutes of uh, Manny Diaz going through a linebackers drill, which was impressive. I loved watching it. But you're not going to see anything strategically that uh, that James Franklin doesn't want you to see. So I I think it comes down to what have you seen in games? And 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 trust me, I, I've covered minor league baseball for decades, and people love this aspect of it, especially now where you're seeing the future. And it's there's this idea that you could develop a guy and slowly bring him along, and he's going to lose, and he's going to lose, and then he's going to start getting it. But I don't. No, if you're going to throw in major college football, and I, I don't know if you're going to throw a kid in there and he's going to take his lumps and get better necessarily. I think you want to put him in, in, in positions where he could succeed. And what I see on Twitter a lot is, well, Bryce Young played as a, as a freshman and you know, uh, Trevor Lawrence played as a true freshman. But they're very different scenarios. They're, they're very different skill sets around those guys. I mean, Trevor Lawrence had dominant dominant receivers uh Bryce Young the same uh you know dominant running games for both teams first round picks at all those positions I don't think Penn State necessarily has that I I think Clifford kind of gets you know, Clifford's knowledge of defenses kind of enables you to get the most out of what you have around him and I don't know if Alar's knowledge of defenses at this point is enough to to get the most out of everybody he'd, he'd have to win some games on his own and I don't think that's that's fair to ask and I've not, I have not seen anything in games the little I've seen of him playing because he's played in, in very hand-picked spots and, and really in three games because he got in against Purdue in a situation I don't think he would have normally gotten into 
But I, I think what, what we've seen is the spots where they really want to play him because they think they can develop him. And that's great. That's what they should be doing because they didn't do that for Taquan Roberson and it took them out of the race last year. But I, I think to, to say that based on what you've seen so far, Alar is better than Clifford is borderline lunacy. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, Corey and I are definitely on the same page as you with mm-hmm. that. Um, and I like that you pointed out like the differences between a team like Bama and a team like Clemson, who's loaded at all at their skill positions, um, even though the offensive line's been better this year. I mean, let's face it, Bama has a better offensive line year in and year out than Penn State has in the James Franklin era. And I just think that, the you know, it's an apples and oranges comparison. Um, who has, uh, which freshman has um, impressed you uh, the most? I mean, you could even take the running back. I, I mean, you might go with one of the running backs, but which, which of them has really uh, made the most impact to you? Uh, it's a tough one because they've, I mean, you could really go anywhere. Um, I, I would, I, my gut feeling says I should, I should say Katron Allen, because I think if you just had him, you'd, you'd be better. Uh, he's exactly what their running game is needed. He's a guy who can get the ball between the tack, tackles. Uh, he's very good in the hole. He, he makes one guy miss. He, and, and, and he's able to, on a four-yard carry, on, on, a, on, a play, on one of those plays where there's four yards available, he'll get you four yards. He might get you five. He falls the right way. He does these little things that great running backs do that, where you could say, wow, this guy really looks like he knows what he's doing. He, you know, they, they talk about vision, and I think that's just kind of instincts. Uh, but but his vision or instincts or whatever you want to call it is is outstanding. So I would say, you know, and the other day when you know in the rain and the muck when you know you got to run the ball to win that game and to put it away and you're just you're just really trying to survive and advance in that game. I thought you know that this is in the second half they got to keep giving the ball to Catron Allen because I, I don't think he's going to put the ball on the ground excessively and I do think he's going to be able to move the sticks and take some time off the clock and that's really how they won the game is once he got in they had a they had a pretty good shot to dominate time of possession which they did now that said I think Singleton's given him a lot I obviously it's it's that's not uh, that's not rocket science to say that he's given them the home run ball. Uh, and they've needed that too. They they did that's exactly something they didn't have. But I think Singleton is two or three steps as a total running back all all around behind a guy like what a Catron Allen could do. But I don't think Catron Allen could hit the home run ball quite the same way as as Nick Singleton. So so that combination, I think, I I, I, I hesitate to say one of them has been more important than the other because I think they've been both been important. But if I had to have one of those freshmen for the future, I'd say, uh, ex- yeah, excluding Alar because we haven't seen him enough. But uh, of, of the ones who've played extensively, I, I think I'd, I'd take Catron because I, I think he's probably the, the better all-around back. But the guy with the most potential clearly is Singleton. And, and that's to say nothing about Abdul Carter, who's had a great start, and, and, and some of the other true freshmen who've gone in and, and, and played pretty well. Yeah, I think the vision aspect of Catron Allen has has really helped give confidence to this offensive line too. It just it seems like when he's in there, it doesn't matter how big the hole is, he's able to kind of squeeze his way through and, and pick up those extra three four yards, like you mentioned. Um, I'm I'm glad you brought up Abdul Carter. I think 
everyone's been excited about what he's been able to do. But, Donnie, I really want to ask you about Manny Diaz because at this point in the season, a lot of people are are a little bit surprised at how good the defense was. Everyone kind of thought maybe all the guys they lost last year to the NFL, that there was going to be maybe a step back. You lose Brent Pry, who's been there for so long, and Manny Diaz comes in, and although they're giving up some yards – they're, they're keeping people off the scoreboard, and they're forcing a lot of turnovers. Are you surprised of the seamless transition so far between Pride to Diaz? I'm not. I, I, I thought when I saw when, – when, when it was Manny Diaz, and you look at the – at that point, you didn't know who was coming back or who, who wasn't and all that because there was a couple of guys who probably could have that, that didn't. But once it all shook out – I still thought this defense had a chance to be pretty good. Now, I didn't think they'd force turnovers at the rate they have. I don't know if I thought anybody would force turnovers at the rate these guys have. But it sets up for a Manny Diaz defense. What he loves is, you are you able to pressure up front with four guys? Not necessarily bringing the blitz, although he loves to give those looks. But he really, his defenses have been predicated on getting to the quarterback with those four front four guys and then having a dominant secondary. Now, I knew he was going to have a dominant secondary. I thought those... Yeah, especially the, the the four starters, whoever they ended up with at, at safety alongside uh, Tig Brown, I thought was was, was going to be a good player. And I think I still think they could start any of those guys, even though Keaton Ellis has done a really good job. But I, I knew that the you know Kalen King I thought had a, a really good chance to be a, a dominant corner, and and Joey Porter Jr. obviously has that pedigree where he's going to be a first round pick, the first first round pick at, you know, at defensive back that Penn State's ever had. If it's him, I mean, it might be somebody else on, on this team. But, but uh, yeah, I, I thought those three guys definitely were, were going to be really good. And then Johnny Dixon's added a lot, and, and Zachy Wheatley's added a lot. Uh, and, you know, Jalen Reed's been a, a, a pretty terrific player himself. And so so I, I thought they had a, a pretty good chance to, to be decent or, or to be, frankly, pretty good. But – I still think they have a chance to be better as the season goes on, and that's what's scary. I mean, Chop Robinson is better than I thought he was, and he's he's creating a lot of pressures, but eventually he's going to start getting to quarterbacks. Uh, they're going to start running into some of these teams that really want to get the ball down the field, so he's going to start getting to some quarterbacks, and I, and I think that's going to be a, a a big thing for Penn State is getting some pre- some more pressure off the edge with, with Chop Robinson and, and Adisa Isaac. But I thought those defensive tackles – it's a really underrated position in this defense because when this defense is good, they have really good defensive tackles. They are stout up the middle, and, and I think they've been stout up the middle this year. I, P.J. Uh, Mustafer coming off that game on, on Saturday, that was his kind of game. But, you know, it, it, it's, it's not just him. I, I think Beeman's given them something. Uh, I love Vandenberg. I, I think him coming off the bench gives you, gives you some energy. Uh, and and I, I think he's more the Kevin Givens type even than, than Beeman is. But, you know, Ellie's has been good. Now now, now getting Izzard back is, is huge. So, so I think these guys have a chance to get even better in the second half of the season on defense because of how good they are up front. But what I'd like to see them do, and I think Manny Diaz will figure out a way, is is to get Carter and Jacobs on the field more often together. I, I don't know if that's possible right now with the, the knowledge that J, uh, Carter has of the defense. And, and it's still developing in a lot of ways. But they – that's your best defense when you when you get those two guys on the field at the same time. Yeah, and we saw in select plays, there's a third and three against Northwestern where we did see Jacobs and Carter on the field at the same time. Um, but obviously, the more that they could do that, you know, the better because because clearly Carter's a guy you want in the field a lot. And 
And you mentioned the defensive line. I, I thought defensive line-wise, North again, it's Northwestern, and you know they're pretty predictable with their offense. But Northwestern still had a pretty good offensive line, and the guys in the middle just just ate ate them up. I mean, I think that was Mustafa's best game. I think it was Beeman's best game, and and I agree with you. I think they're just getting better and better. And and Chop Robinson, I think, has been a lot better than I thought he was going to be. But you bring up the linebackers. You brought up the two linebackers that were really good or have been really good. Um, but the Mike linebackers kind of the question mark right now. Kobe King, Tyler Ellison, do you think they're ready? Do you think and, and what you've seen in these first five games, are they ready for this three-game stretch where they are going to be challenged? They're going to have to face uh, Corum. They're going to have to face Ibrahim. They're going to have to face a combination of Travion Henderson and Mayan Williams in these next three games. They better be. If they want to go where they want to go, where they think they can go, they, they, they're going to have to be good at that position. And, you know, it's that's the one thing about this. I mean, we, we could look at that linebacker position and break it down, and I think they've gotten some good things out of a lot of guys. I think they've gotten some really good things out of Sutherland. I I, I wasn't sure how he was going to play, whether how his speed was going to factor in there, um, how he was going to play the run. But I think he's overall been a solid player there. So I, I, I'll give Sutherland a plus. I think DeLuca's given him something on, on passing downs. I think, you know, Jacobs has played well. I think Carter's played well. And and, and, and it's only been a couple of plays here and there where they've been on the field at the same time. But I, I don't think you can put one of them at at the at the at the mic position yet. I, I don't know if you're gonna move Jacobs in there and, and do that. So you're gonna have to figure out a way for Elston and Kobe King to be a, a major factor. And I, I think they've had their moments. I think they've both shown that they have some ability, but they haven't been major factors in any game yet. And, and against, especially against Michigan and, and, and Minnesota, I think those two teams where they like to pound the ball in, in between the tackles, where that, that's, that's where they're trying to make their living. They're trying to play an old, old fashioned type style of game. You know, those two guys are going to have to be in the eight to 12 tackle range. If, if you're going to, and, and and not up field tackles. You're going to have to be making tackles at the line and, and, and holding them, you know, the two, three yards of a gain and putting them in third and longer situations and, and, and make the quarterback beat you. I don't know if I've seen enough from, from those two guys to count on that being the case, but, but they're set up for success. I'll tell you that. I mean, they, they have, like you mentioned, I, I think the line is, is played excellent. I, I think, they're going to give them chances to make those tackles and, and they're going to eat up the blockers. You're not going to have those guards getting on Tyler Elston consistently. I, I think he's going to have a chance to do that, but have we, you know, we, we have seen a couple of games here, you know, central Michigan, I thought was one of those games where they played a lot like uh, a Minnesota is going to want to play or, you know, a, a little bit like Michigan, but a lot like Minnesota is going to want to play. And, and, and I thought Lou Nichols had some, some carries on them. They, they got, they fell behind, so much that they they had to abandon the running game eventually but yeah i, I think they had some success in in in, in that regard if, if you have a if you have a good back i still think you can you, you'll like your chances against penn state's linebacker so i, I they're gonna have to be better i think than they've been at any point and and, and i think that's the the one kind of I guess, I don't know what word I want to use, but I, I guess the one downer about this team is I could totally see at the end of the year, they're sitting at 10 and two wishing that Ellis Brooks came back. And, and, and that's, you know, you're always going to be that one player short, that one player you, you, you miss. But I think that's kind of the guy you, you really, if you're 
looking at last year's team that that would really have helped you out this season, and he and he left. But you know, it's it's his call. But but I don't think they have anybody right now as good as Ellis Brooks was last year. And 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 they you know these other guys that they replaced, I, I think to a certain degree they've replaced them okay. But but I, I think the jury is still out at middle linebacker. No, I mean Ellis Brooks was a tackling machine. I mean there's I mean he, there's a reason why he was leading the team with tackles for a while there because. He just was always around the football. So I we, we actually, I think, Sean, we were just texting about that yeah. a little bit today, about how, yep. how much we miss Ellis Brooks and and wish he would have stayed for one more. But obviously, that did not happen. Uh, Donnie, special teams real quick. Barney Moore has been great. I think we you know can say all these great things about what he's been able to do, and it's a big credit to, to Penn State and how they just, you know just lost out and seemed like they didn't lose anything at the punting position. But – place kicking and i guess now kickoff specialist is a concern to franklin although we didn't really think it was that big of a deal before he started having pinnegar do that as well uh but place kicking has been a roller coaster so far what have you seen and what do you expect as we kind of move to the second half of the season yeah i i think what you're seeing is what you're going to get at at, you know just on field goals uh i mean I, i would assume like the the uh the problems they're having on, on the extra point blocking, that's going to get fixed. That, you know, you, you just find people who do it the way you want to do it. And yeah, and, and that, that's just, you know, people are going to lose their jobs over it. I, th- I think that's what where that comes down to. I, but the the other two aspects of it, the field goal kicking is one where I, I just think Pinnaker's going to be the guy. I, I don't know if Sanders Sahadak's necessarily better than he is right now. I, I, haven't, I haven't seen that. With any consistency that we do see in practice sometimes is the kicking but um yeah i, I think i think pinnaker's probably their best option he's just inconsistent he's not he's not jordan stout in any regard so i i, I think he, I, now that said i think his 38 yarder last week in the rain that was kind of a clutch kick uh so yeah maybe that turns him around a little bit maybe you know maybe that's a that's the start of something because the one thing i think about pinnaker that I've always kind of had in my mind is that he's a momentum guy. If he gets a couple going, he's going to be okay for a bit. But if he misses one, or you know, there's something that stunts that that uh, that kind of success he's having, he he kind of withers a little bit, and it takes him a bit to get it back. I, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's a confidence thing. I don't know if it's a mechanical thing. I'm sure they'll say it's more a mechanical thing than anything else. But but they seem to think Pinnaker's their guy, and and for better or worse. It's going to be that way, but you know, unlike the last couple of years where Penn State could get into a, you're down two points, you have a 55-yard field goal try, and you have a, you have Stout out there, and you think, wow, this guy could legitimately hit this. I don't know if you're ever going to be in that position this year, for if you're Penn State on a long field goal. That's I, I think the bigger issue here is the is the place kicking, on, on the kickoffs because I don't think they've been particularly good, and and, and I asked James Franklin a couple of questions about this in the preseason and I'm sure people rolled their eyes because I, I, I consistently asked, you know, how is that battle going in camp between Sahadak and, and, and Nwosu and, and Pinnegar at, 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 on the kickoff, because I think that was a huge part of their success last year. Nobody, nobody returned a kick against them. You, you, it was impossible. He, he, you know, Stout was kicking the ball deep through the end zone pretty regularly. Whenever they wanted him to boot the ball through the end zone, he did it. He was. He had that kind of a leg. I, I don't know if they have that kind of a leg on the roster right now. And, I, and in fact, I can confidently say they don't, and not many other teams do. So they're pretty much not now living the life that everybody else has lived for the last couple of years. But 
what Franklin said last week that was interesting is he kind of de- he kind of detailed what he wants. You know, he's he's looking for that kick to be that kick off to be a yard deep in the end zone, make them make the choice. So if they bring it out, you're good, you have a good chance to tackle them before the 25. And if they fair catch it or call the you know take the knee, they're they're going to be at the 25. But he wants the he wants his kickoffs either a yard deep in the end zone or at or on the outside the numbers toward the sidelines. And they haven't been getting them. And, and I don't think they've been burned by it in, in any stretch of the imagination. I, I, I think that their kickoff coverage has been okay. I don't think there's been a, a situation. They're dominating field position. He says that every week. So I, I don't know why it's a, it's a major deal right now. But I know what he's thinking, that eventually they're going to run into a guy who's going to return one of these, and they're not going to be able to, to, to manage that. And once once you start losing that, you know, you know, once you allow a kickoff return to about the 42 or 43 yard line, then field position it takes a while to get that back in your favor. So they, they've been playing so well in field position. And I think they've been kind of getting lucky with some of these uh, kickoffs. Now, I thought Pinnaker last week surprised me a little bit because he was able to boot a couple into the end zone. I thought that was a good thing. We didn't see Sahadak. I don't know uh, if that was. Uh, an injury situa- situation or a strategy situation or what. But I, but if they go with Nwosu and Pinnegar, you know, maybe that brings a little more consistency into it. But I, I, I think those, I, I think Nwosu is the better of the two who started the season more consistently. If you look at what Franklin was looking for, if you chart it out and, and adding Pinnegar, maybe getting that ball one yard into the end zone, adds something. So, so I guess they could get better there. But they have to because eventually they're going to run into a kick return who's going to be a little more dangerous than what they've seen. And from what I've seen, just from what Franklin has said, uh, we haven't seen any kind of consistency uh, based on the expectations he has for that spot. So it, it does have to get better. But again, they've covered him well. And Franklin has been used to getting exactly every time the kickoffs he wants. So, so I don't know if, if it's realistic to expect he's going to get that every time from a guy who's not Jordan Stout. Yeah, I mean, we were so blessed to have Jordan here the past couple of years. And like you said, I think now it's kind of back to reality. This is, this is how college kickers are uh, on kickoffs. Uh, so, Donnie, uh, before the year started, we both had nine and three as our final uh, prediction for the wait, season. Wait, wait, wait. Oh, you're talking about you and him or what? Oh, oh, oh I'm sorry. Corey said ten and two. I, uh, Somebody was a believer you- around here. Yes, the two Scranton guys both had nine and three. Yeah, I had nine uh, and three. Are you sticking with that nine and three prediction? Because I, I might be changing it. Well, I had to. I, I, I guess I'm not because I had Auburn as one of the losses comically. Uh, so I, I, I just I just thought that was going to be one of those situations where they went down there and the the heat and the you know, whatever. I didn't know how good they were going to be. I, there was a lot of question marks to me. I, I'm I'm still not sold on the receiving core. Uh, I'm still not. Yeah, I, I, at that point, I wasn't sold on on the running back. So I didn't know what we were going to have offensively at Penn State this year. But I, I thought, you know, they have a, yeah, you know, they had a chance. But I thought that could be a loss. And then I picked, obviously Ohio State. But I, I think the Minnesota game at home and the whiteout. I do not think that's a gimme. I think that is a trap. And I, I, that's that was the third loss I had. So I, I have. I actually in the preseason had them going into Michigan and winning. Uh, I, I just think they're going to win one this year that they that nobody thought they would. So I guess I would, on that note, have to say that I would change it to ten and two because uh, the Auburn game didn't go the way I would have predicted. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not your guys' fault. I have insider information down here living in Auburn, so that's that's the only reason why I knew that Penn State was going to get the job done down here. Um, 
Yeah, I, I think it's interesting, Don. I mean, I know the game is is a week and a half away, and you don't predict a Penn State game for us this week on the Big Ten guest picker. But what are your kind of thoughts going into the Michigan week here? I mean, we're when this airs, it'll be Thursday morning, so less than a week and a half away. What are your thoughts about that game? I know you just said that you predicted them to maybe steal one in the preseason. Is that still the vibe you're getting right now? Yeah, I, 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 I would – to make that prediction now, I would hope they would be going into the bye with a little bit more momentum. But that said, they're still going into the bye, and they're still 5-0. and uh, I, I, And I think they have something very valuable here, which is a chance. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think Michigan – uh, I, 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 here's one thing I worry about with Michigan. If, if I'm a Michigan fan, I worry about that quarterback situation because because they they switch from McNamara to McCarthy, and and, you know, and McCarthy's got all this talent. Don't you know? Don't get me wrong, he, he's good, but they made the move that Penn State didn't. So I'm not sure how popular that was among players. So I, I, w- I would like to see what happens if Michigan gets behind a little bit early, if things don't go their way, if they're not allowed to play the game that they want to play because, you know, a team takes a, a 7 nothing, 10 nothing lead on them or something like that, and they, they feel they have to put it on the quarterback a little bit more. Um, that said, they have a great defense. They've been, they've been tremendous all season. Uh, and, and there is something to be said as, as, as weak, I think, as their schedule has been. I don't, I don't know if they've played anybody that's really challenged them, but they've gone out and, and done what they should do. You know, they've, they've won impressively. Uh, you know, they got into the dogfight with Maryland and came out on top. So I, I don't know if they, they're not as tested as Penn State is. I, I love these people who say, oh, Penn State hasn't played anybody any good yet. Well, they've played some pretty decent teams to me. Uh, they haven't played Ohio State or Michigan yet, and we're going to find out. But I, I think that I think that Penn State's schedule has tested them more for this game than Michigan's has. Now, I'm not a big schedule means everything guy, but I, I think Penn State's got a, a decent shot. I don't know who I'm going to pick in the game yet, but – I, I think Penn State's got a shot. They have to be able to run the ball, though. And, they, and I'll, I'll tell you what has to be as good as it's been all season is that offensive line. If that offensive line reverts in any way, they have no shot. Yeah, the yeah. offensive line has not allowed Sean Clifford specifically to be sacked in three straight games. So that is something that they've done really well. I think, you know, if anybody has confidence, Donnie, going into the bye week, that deserves to have confidence. It's the offensive line. Maybe no one else can, no no other position group. Maybe besides maybe punter can can feel better going into the bye week. No, oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I that's the one area I think on the team that's really surprised me most. I thought they might be better. I think I've predicted in the last couple of years that each of those years, although they'll be better than they were the year before, and they were always worse. But yeah, this year I think they've <laughs> they've taken a, a big step forward. I, I Olu Olu Fashionu, I I did not have him pegged necessarily this year as one of the two or three best tackles in the Big Ten, but he certainly has played that way. And and guys like Allen, I think it's amazing how much better the offensive line looks when they're blocking the run, when the running backs are legitimately elite talent. So I, I think I think a lot of things have come together for these guys. But but that said, they've played really well. And on my report card, I think they they got an A. I gave and I don't hand out like A just straight A to anybody uh, unless you've, you've really dominated the game. And I gave that to them this week because I, I thought in that, in those conditions, they, they played very well. Those guys deserve to, that's the one position group on the team that deserved to win by more than 10. Yeah, for sure. Sean, any final questions before we get into the pick them? Uh, yeah. I wanted to ask you about, because, you know, if I'm the five, seven, oh, Dom DeLuca, I mean, 
he has really, really impressed. He has, you know, impressed me more than I thought he would uh, playing at uh, that linebacker spot. Speaking of that linebacker spot, um, would you say that's your biggest concern uh, going forward? Because it's probably mine. That one particular, uh, the sand spot? Uh, the Sam spot, but also the Mike, because uh, and I agree with what you said about Elston and King. I mean, I think they've been okay, but they, I think you really, I think we need more to, you know, come out of these next three games at least two and one, and it's certainly three and out. Yeah, I, I'd agree. I mean, the Sam spot to me has been better than I thought it would be. I, I thought, uh, I, I, I do think Sutherland has played okay, and. Really, his backup guy when he's when he's not on the field is going to be Deluca, and I and Deluca's an interesting guy because he was legitimately. I mean, he's Matt McGloin all over again. As he was a guy who came in as a preferred yeah. walk on. Uh, he had a great high school career, but he was very undersized. He wasn't. Uh, you know, he, he played safety in high school, and he was small for a safety. And then they moved him to linebacker. And credit where credits due here, that was Brent Pry's idea. He Dom told me that that was something that he was told immediately, like, hey, we're going to we're going to move you to linebacker. And I thought that was I've had some conversations about this. I think I, I did a, a podcast on it. Uh, that's really the future of the the linebacker position at Penn State is that hybrid safety who's just going to play linebacker and, and they're going to call him a linebacker and, and he's going to be able to play the run in and, and, and play the pass a little bit and not not and not do either. Great. But unless they could find a guy who could do that, but he, you know, they're going to have a guy who out there who's a converted defensive back basically playing that position. DeLuca is interesting because in 2019, he was, I would say he was one of the best players in the state in high school, but he was so undersized, nobody really looked at him at this level. And he's always wanted to play at Penn State, and he did what Matt McGloin did. He bet on himself, and he said, I, I, could, I could do this. I could go to Penn State, and I could play. And he did it, and he rehabbed the knee injury, and he started out at safety, and then after the season, they moved him to linebacker full time, and he's been he's been an asset to them. He's not he's not a superstar. He's not Lavar Arrington, but he's going to be a, a, a decent player who can go in and, and and cover tight ends for you and, and get a slot receiver at times and and, and do a decent job. So I, I I think that we have to in a way change how we look at linebacker production at that spot because that's a that to me is a an extra defensive back. Uh, and and they're going to have to figure out a way to, you know, to kind of get guys like that. And and, and the reason I say that is, the, I mentioned that first practice uh, that I was at this year where we saw the linebacker drills with with Manny Diaz. But one of the guys in that group was Tyrese Mills, uh, and he played safety. He was and he looks like a safety. He does not look like a linebacker. And they had him out there doing linebacker stuff. So I I I, I asked, and yeah, they're they're converting him. So. It, th- these guys are going to play a, a different kind of position than, than we're used to seeing. Cause that, if you want to get, you know, technical about it, that's, that's like Sean Lee or Dan Connor's old position. And these guys aren't going to be asked to do that the way the game has changed. And if you look back at what this staff did at, or James Franklin, it's not really that staff anymore, but if you look back at what James Franklin and his staff did at Vanderbilt, that's, that's it. They had that star linebacker who was a, it was the hybrid safety and he played a lot. And, and they've just now, now that they've, They've been here, however long, eight years. They've figured out a way to kind of get those guys onto the field a little more and, and recruit that position and, and, and scout it out a little bit better and and, and figure out ways to, to to get that extra defensive back on the field while staying solid against the run. And 
I, I, I actually think they're getting good production out of that spot. Um, but yeah, your point on the middle linebacker is, is certainly, yeah, they, they, they're going to need somebody to, to be a sure tackler there. They're going to need somebody to play the run and, and do a, do a very consistent job. And, and, and I'm not sure that they're getting that right now from Elson and King, but the potential's there. I, I, I think they have a, have a shot, but those two guys are, are really still learning that spot. I mean, look at the tackles for the linebackers last week. Now, granted, the defensive line ate up all the tackles <laughs> against Northwestern. But Curtis Jacobs didn't have any. Uh, Ellison, I think, had two. There just there just wasn't a lot of tackles. And you, you know, I'd have to go back and really do a deep dive on on that position on the on the game film to see uh, see to see if that was something they were doing or something that that Northwestern was doing. But there there's just I don't I don't think I've watched a game here and thought maybe except for maybe a moment or two where I thought well Ellison and Kobe King are really standing out here. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, I know there was a couple of times where Kobe King was out of position and I saw Curtis Jacobs yelling at him. So um, still some things to clean up there. Let's go into the let's go into the pick them. So, Donnie, we have a guest picker every week to come on and and pick every Big Ten game for the week. We've been doing it since the very first week of the season. Right now, your fellow colleagues are in first and second with Audrey Snyder leading the way at the top spot, followed by Joe Hermit at number two their total points is coming out to approximately 83 percent of their total points that they could have gotten so you're looking with very little amount of games you're looking almost to have to have a perfect week this week it's just kind of um just kind of how it is as we get later into the season so how it works is you're going to get one point for every game that you correctly pick outright and then you can double down on one game that you feel confident in. And if you get that right, you'll get two. And you can just tell me that at the end. Okay. Uh, we will good. We will Pressure's start. on because i got to beat Hermit here. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, for sure. Honestly, if Audrey ends up finishing this number one and she started number one, I don't think we'll ever hear the end of it. So we definitely don't want that to happen. Well, the first uh, week's the easiest one to pick. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point, too. Although she had to pick Penn State-Purdue, which a lot of people at the time weren't necessarily 100% on. So, yeah. But, yeah, you're right. There's there a lot of gimmies. Um, okay, Friday, October 7th, we have Nebraska at Rucker. And just so everyone's clear, we're recording this on Tuesday. So if something happens on Wednesday regarding any of these teams, um, don't hold that against Donnie here. Um, Friday, we have Nebraska at Rutgers. Nebraska's a three-point favorite on the road. Man, Nebraska's just a mess right now. Yes, they are, but they're going to win this one. They, I, I, I wanted to see how they came out of the bye week uh, with the new coach. Uh, did they come out refocused? How did they play? And, and, and they, they played Indiana, I believe. <laughs> but they, they really took it to them. I, yeah, they, they, especially in the, in the second half, they had a strong second half. I, I think they're better than Rutgers, uh, talent wise. And Rutgers is coming off a game where. Yeah, the only thing that gives me a little bit of pause is Rutgers has some fire. Um, they and, and that's a Shiano thing that, that he he's done a he's done a really good job putting some some spirit into that group. But they they don't have as much talent as Nebraska, and I th- I think Nebraska comes out of that one with a win. Are we picking against the spread here? Nope, just just outright. Oh, straight up, yeah, Nebraska. Yeah, I just like to give the spread just in case people are kind of curious okay. at home what what it's the lines at. Um, Sean, I don't know. Have you done your picking yet, or do you want to pick right now? If you don't want to, I, I know you probably haven't had enough time, but um, I'm actually filling it out right now. Um, okay. I have Rutgers. Um, I'm taking Rutgers only because 
couple years back, I made a decision to always bet against Nebraska, and it seems to really work out for me. Um, But, yeah, Nebraska did impress on Saturday. Um, But Rutgers is at home, so I'll stick with the State University of New Jersey, but I'm not positive on that one. Yeah, did you guys see that – that late hit on the Ohio State quarterback when the Ohio State or quarterback, the Ohio State punter, when he faked the punt late in the game, that was a yeah, it did fantastic hit. <laughs> um, that, that got Shiano fired up. Okay, in the Saturday, by the way, and we hadn't mentioned this yet, I don't think on the pod, but obviously the the Michigan game is going to be at noon uh, for Penn State. Michigan's also playing at noon against Indiana. By the time Michigan plays Penn State, there'll be five straight noon kicks for Michigan. At Indiana this week, they're 22-point favorites. Of course, Indiana just coming off that loss against Nebraska. Donnie, what are you thinking? I wonder if anybody in the media asks about, oh, is this a trap game? Are you worried about emotions going into – because that, that seems to be a question every time for Penn State leading into a – you know, the week after a big game or leading into one. But Especially but I, yeah. Indiana. Especially, Especially Indiana. Indiana. Yeah, I don't think Indiana's any good. I, I think even against the spread, I think I would have taken Michigan in this one. Yeah, I mean, we're we're pretty big Tom Allen supporters here, but... I love Tom Allen. Yeah, but that one's that one's not looking too good. Indiana, we didn't think Indiana was going to win a Big Ten game this year, so, yeah. Uh, Purdue at Maryland. Maryland dominating Michigan State. Purdue upsetting Minnesota on the road last week. This is probably going to make or break your pick em, Donnie. Yeah, it's a tough one. It's, I was thinking that when I was looking at these earlier. This is a this is one of the tougher games I think to pick in the country uh, because I, I really like Purdue. I, I think they've played well. I, I think going up to Syracuse, I thought the offense was was decent in that game. They they score a million points. Uh, they don't win. Uh, Maryland, I, I I just my gut feeling, and I'm going strictly gut feeling on this, is that Maryland wins somehow. I, they're at home. Uh, you know, Purdue's got that second. I, I think there's a lot more pressure on Purdue, but Maryland is a, is a team that I, I think they, they 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 feel it a little bit. They they this is their time. If they're ever gonna turn the corner in the Big Ten, it's gonna be with this with this team. They have you know Tagovailo is a is a really good quarterback. They have some really good skill position guys. They've always had them, but they've been staying healthy this year. I thought they were really good against Michigan, and I don't know if they take it that way. But they should take a lot of pride in how they played that game, and 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 I think that should be a momentum builder for them. They were pretty good last week. I'm taking Michigan, or excuse me, I'm taking Maryland. I, 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 I'm the first guy ever who's confused Maryland and Michigan. No, that's okay. We were just talking about them, so we'll we'll, we'll give you uh, yeah. a break on that one. You know, <laughs> it's funny that you're you're going to take Maryland because this has been a highly contested argument on the podcast since the beginning of the season. Because I was super high on Maryland coming into the year, and Sean. Um, not so much. In fact, we went back and forth. I even had Maryland be, being higher than Michigan State in the Big Ten East going into the season. Sean ate crow and decided to take Maryland to beat Michigan State last week. So, Sean, are you now on the Maryland train completely? No, I think Purdue beats them. This is wow. the time, time of year Maryland falls apart. <laughs> I mean, it's really October. When the leaves start to fall, so, do Mar- so does Maryland. So I'm taking the Boilermakers. Boiler up. You know, it's funny because I'm actually also going to take Purdue to win this game. <laughs> I just think that Purdue turned 
you know, there was a close game against FAU, but Aiden O'Connell didn't play. And now that he's getting healthier, they played a really ugly game against Minnesota and still won by 10 points. And I know they didn't have Mo Ibrahim in that game, but I think Purdue's turned the corner. And, and I agree with you, Sean. I think Maryland's a good team, and they just had a big win against Michigan State. I, I don't know if they can get over that win and prepare themselves for Purdue. I bet they think they're a lot better than Purdue, and I think Purdue's going to go in there and, and shock them a little bit. So, yeah, I'm going to go with the Boilermakers. And I don't know if I said anything for that Nebraska-Rutgers game, but I think Nebraska wins as well, just so everyone's transparent in here. Uh, Maryland was favored by three in that one at the moment. Uh, Wisconsin at Northwestern, battle of the bottom of the Big Ten West. Both teams look awful. Uh, Donnie, what's your thoughts on Paul Chris getting uh, the the $11 million, I think is what they settled for, buyout? I, I don't know about that one. I, I, yeah, I I think Paul Chris is a good, solid coach. And I, and I think you don't want a good, solid coach anymore. You want a dynamic coach. You want somebody that people are going to rally around. You want a, a guy that that, uh, that that you feel your program is going to uh, you know, that's this more of a face of the program guy than, you know, Paul Chris is a good football coach and I think he's going to end up somewhere maybe as an offensive coordinator. Yeah. And, and be very good at that and, and sit up in the booth for years and, and, and anonymously call plays for good teams. Uh, and, and I think the the key to this game here is going to be how do you play for Jim Leonard? I, Jim Leonard's a Wisconsin guy. He's been a, very big name assistant coach there for a while now with a really good safety for the Badgers. Uh, I, I don't. I, I think they rally around uh, Leonard. And this is a game where if, if we were taking against the spread, I might take Northwestern because I, I think they're they're very well coached, and I I don't want to judge them based on the the elements last week. But if you want to look at their, you want to look at it. Now, granted, they've lost to some putrid teams, but the ten point loss last week was their most lopsided loss of the season. So I, I I would think Northwestern hangs close, but I but I think Wisconsin in the end somehow wins this one, despite Graham yeah. Mertz. Yeah, that's um, <laughs> yeah, that's an interesting one to me. And honestly, like, I think if Jim Leonard's who they wanted all along, I I think that's a mistake. I mean, I think he's good, but it's not like the Wisconsin defense has been fantastic the last couple of years, so. Honestly, I, if they don't go and try to get Lance Leopold back to Wisconsin, if that's not their first call, I don't know. I don't know what they're really firing Chris for because besides him, who coached at Wisconsin was it Wisconsin Whitewater. Is that the name of the colleges? Yes. Um, but did, besides him, I don't know who else would want to come did, up there that would would be better than Jim Leonard. Did you see who the number one? Uh, well, it was, Leonard was number one, but the number two guy on the odds makers list to get that job was. I don't know if I want to know. Yeah, you don't. It was Bill O'Brien. <laughs> oh, boy. I don't think that's a good fit for Bill O'Brien, but what do I, I know? Have, we were talking a couple of weeks ago about what what's the good fits for uh, for Bill O'Brien. We, it was surprisingly few, few. Surprisingly few good cultural fits in college football for Bill O'Brien. <laughs> no, I, don't, I think that's, that, that's a good point. And, like, the thing is because he doesn't like being a college coach. Like, he doesn't want – like, people don't remember, like – he hated doing all of like the college head coach thing that Franklin's so good at. Like he couldn't stand doing that stuff. So unless you want somebody who's just going to be really good at X's and O's and not really rally your whole school, unless you're looking for that. um, Yeah. I don't know. I don't know why or why he would even want to do that, to be honest with you. 
Yeah, I, th- I think he could be. Who was the Auburn coach I, that uh, before Gus Malls on? I can't. But he won the national championship, and then Gene they Chizik. fired Chiswick. Yeah, he's Gene Chiswick. He's going to be able to win you a championship, maybe once, get you to a title game, uh, maybe better if he gets the right quarterback in there. But I don't know if he could sustain it over, you know, eight ten no, years. He'd piss everybody off eventually. Yeah, yeah, he'd, oh, he'd be and he'd, and he'd be gone. Is it the first the first chance he got to go back to the NFL? I think he'd be gone. Absolutely. And I, and I like Bill. I, I really like Bill. Yeah, yeah, he's that's just who he is as a personality. It's, it's not, nothing wrong with it. It's just it's a fit thing. Uh, Sean, Wisconsin Northwestern, thoughts real quick. That's a tough one because you never know how a team's going to react when they fire their coach mid-season. They could rally or they could fall apart. Um, I could under I could <clears throat> I wouldn't have fired Paul Chris right now. But I would have understood at the end of the year. I think they're giving Jim Leonard basically a job, uh, an on-the-job job interview, <laughs> and I think they just want to see how he how he works out. I'm going to take Wisconsin just because I think they have a little, just because I think they have more talent, and I'll gamble on them just um, rallying around Jim Leonard. But we'll see. That's a if you, I would. Not if 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 you're gambling with money, I'd stay away from that one. Yeah, that that one's a tough one. I I, I like Donnie's idea of, of seeing Northwestern cover that ten point. I I he convinced me. I think Northwestern's going to win this one because they looked like they fought the whole time against Penn State. I like Pat Fitzgerald. I think if I had to choose a quarterback, I would choose Halinski over Graham Mertz. I like Evan Hall as a running back and. I thought Gallagher, the linebacker for Northwestern, played a really good game, all things considered, against Penn State. So, yeah, give me give me the fighting Fitzgeralds. Why not? Because, I mean, you, you can't be really wrong in that game. I, I, um, was close, Ohio, I was close to that pick. Yeah, well, you convinced me if that makes yeah. you feel better. <laughs> I was close. I think that could be a field goal game either way. Yeah, it, it could honestly be 3-0 either way. Um, Ohio State at Michigan State. The spread is 26 and a half. I, I said this to Sean earlier, maybe yesterday. I'm not a betting man, but I, I think Mel Tucker backed into a corner here. I, I think the Spartans cover 26 and a half. Ohio State's going on the road for one of their first true real road games here. Um, Donnie, what are your thoughts on that one? Do you know how you cover games in college football? You score. And yeah, Michigan State hasn't been scoring. They've been very miserable offensively i mean i i i don't i i thought this could happen i actually someone you mentioned that one of you guys picked maryland ahead of michigan state in the, in the preseason and I, and I did the same because I, I i don't know if you could play college football the way michigan state wants to which is really build through the portal every year at key positions uh they got they hit home runs with them last year i mean walker was a was a big time ad but they even had they haven't had a guy like walker this year and they have had some injuries. I, I don't know if they're going to be. Uh, I don't know if they're physically able to compete with Ohio State, and I would actually take Ohio State with the points. Interesting. Uh, you're expecting a blow. I think. Yeah. You're right about the. You're right about the scoring aspect. I, Michigan State's got some pretty good pass rushers that they did find in the portal, and I think just maybe they get enough pressure on Stroud and they make things interesting. But yeah, I mean, I, I could see it being a blowout. But I'm just maybe hoping that maybe Michigan State finds some sort of life. Sean, any thoughts there? Yeah, I mean Michigan State. It's just been it's just been a struggle for them this year. Um, 
Ohio, this game's actually my double down game. I'm going to double down on Ohio State uh, just because Michigan State just looks lifeless right now. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Final game of the week, and it is a doozy. <laughs> Iowa at Illinois. Illinois, best team in the Big Ten West right now. They already look like Brett Bielema's Wisconsin. Chase Brown's leading the country in rushing, and they're playing good enough defense, Donnie. They are, and, and you put it best. I said this in the press box last week, and I thought everybody would have thought it was right, but I guess nobody had thought of it. But you know, he's it's it's Wisconsin. He's you know Illinois has become what Wisconsin used to be. They run the ball, they play defense, and I said that last year uh, in the game nobody wants to the game that shall never be mentioned again at Penn State. But I thought that was what they were doing. They're they're just putting the the biggest lineman they have out there and running behind them and seeing what happens. And that's what Wisconsin would have done back in the day. Uh, Bielema only knows how to, to, to coach the game one way and it works. It's still, a, it's still a good formula. Now, was it a championship formula? I, I probably not, uh, not in this conference anyway, but he's done a really good job there. And, and, and I, I'm, if, and I'm not supposed to root for anybody in this job, but I would, I am going to root for Illinois, but Iowa's going to win. And I I think Iowa's going to win because Iowa always wins this type of game. They win the game. Just when you think they're done, they reach back out. You know, their, their hand comes up through the dirt. They somehow figure out a way out of the coffin. I, I I just, they, they, they're a very good defensive team. And I don't know if, if Illinois has enough weapons offensively, you, you, the way to beat Iowa is to be even remotely two dimensional. You don't have to throw for 300 yards. You could throw, but but if you throw efficiently, you could beat Iowa. I don't know if if Illinois could do that. And they're coming off a huge win against. They're the team this week that I think coming off the huge win that there might be a little bit of a, a mental letdown here. I I just that would be exactly like Iowa to go out and win this game. Mm, mm, that's a good point. That's a good point. I it's go. convincing, Sean. I don't know if we can have him back on here. It's a little too convincing for what I have written down. Yeah. Sean, are you? I, I, I feel like, Sean, you and I are on the same page. I think we're rolling with the Illini, right? I mean, they've they've done really well for us in the pick'em so far. That's why we're at the top of our own pick'em. <laughs> yeah, we've been riding Illinois. We both kind of liked Illinois going into this year because Brett Bielema, I mean, he's a prickly personality, but the Mac coach, I mean, he's shown that over and over again. Um, Donnie, yeah. Oh, man, I was all set to pick Illinois. I was feeling real good about it. And then you brought up that Iowa point. I, I do like Illinois. I, I, I really do. I think they have a, have yeah. a really good future. They're going to they're gonna win some. But I, it, it, this is earlier than I thought they would win. And this that division has been so chaotic all year. I, I, I just think something strange is going to happen. Yeah. And, and every everybody's on Illinois. So this is just the week that Iowa's going to ruin this whole thing. Yeah, because you're point. totally right. Like, those those paternal years against Ferentz, I mean, Ferentz had Joe's number because we used to play that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and Ferentz would just, he'd, they'd always find a way to have more points than us at the end of the game. I'm going to take Illinois only because Iowa's offense is just so, so bad. But I, I feel a lot less good about it now than I did. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. I also would argue that although it wasn't a huge night game or anything, but maybe a slight letdown for Iowa, just how pathetic they played against Michigan. I, I don't know what they're going to do at quarterback because 
I mean, I think if Illinois can score 14 points, I don't know if Iowa can even score that. So, yeah, yeah, I, that that game is a game I promise you I'm not going to watch this weekend, honestly. <laughs> Iowa scores a defensive touchdown. Watch it. It's going to have uh, it. Might, that might, it that might win at 14-6 or something like that. It's going to be a mess. Yeah, if you're in a messes, that's, that's the game yeah. for you. I love um, messes. I won't watch this one, though. Yeah, no, no, me neither. Um, Donnie, before we let you get out of here, first off, thank you so much for spending a considerable amount of time with us tonight. We really appreciate it. Uh, you're fantastic. I know you didn't have a prediction yet from Michigan, but is there any sort of prediction, bold prediction, thought as you kind of look ahead to not just Michigan, but the rest of the season for the Nittany Lions? I think at this point it would be a disappointment if you're not in the New Year's Six, if you're Penn State. I, are they – because the only way you're not, I would think, is if you go 0-3 in the next three. And that would be a total disappointment. Be, and, and who knows what happens after that. So so I, I think if they survive these next three games, uh, you know, get get out one and two, you could run the table if you're Penn State, uh, get Alar in some games down the stretch, maybe even the, get them in a New Year's Six game, play them significantly. Uh, I, I think that's about as good as this season could have gone uh, if you're legitimately predicting, if, you, if, you, if you're not just sitting there saying, oh, we should win the national championship, yeah, you, Franklin's got the tools this year. I, 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 don't, I don't think anybody looked at it that way. So I, I would think that all, all the legitimate goals they probably had are on the table as of right now. Um, but yeah, I, I think anything less than a New Year's Six, and I, they don't want to end up in the Citrus Bowl again. That would be a, that, that, would, that would not be, uh, I, I think, a successful finish because I think it would mean they would lose three games. And, I, and at this point, I, I don't think they should lose three games. Yeah, I'm going to put you on a spot one more time um, just because someone tweeted us this bold prediction. I really liked it and I really wanted to ask you this. Do you think there's better there's a better chance Penn State goes three and oh in these next three games or zero and three? A better chance assuming of everyone, three. Assuming everyone stays healthy, I guess I'll, I'll throw yeah, I would I would assume it's a better chance to go zero and three, but I don't know if. Either is a good chance. Yeah, yeah, that that's a that's a safe answer. A safe yeah. answer. Um, Donnie, any plugs? Obviously, you have your own podcast as well, and, um, and and whatnot. But where can people find you on Twitter, and and where can they find your stuff? Yeah, my uh, my Twitter account is at Penn State TT. Uh, podcast is Penn Stated. It's on. You can find it anywhere: Apple, uh, Spotify, anywhere you get your your podcasts. Uh, the Times-Tribune.com slash sports slash Penn State. If you want to read my uh, my stuff on um, you know in, in the in the print edition, uh, subscriptions are always welcome. But uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much where you can find. We're doing a lot of stuff on the podcast lately. It's been it's been a lot of fun. So, so yeah, there's, there's more content out there than ever or from 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 me now. So hopefully, uh, people will give it a try. Yeah, it's a great list. I know there's. At least in our little tiny circle, a lot of people listening to your podcast, and and that's nothing against other Penn State podcasts by other media groups, but um, definitely been gravitating towards yours lately. So y'all are doing fantastic stuff over there. Awesome! Thanks so much for that. Yeah, of course, and it's, thank it's you not for easy spending. Work. <laughs> no, 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 obviously, but it's uh, but it's definitely fun because sometimes it's just easier to listen than to, than to read. So oh, absolutely. Um, Thanks for spending an hour with us. I know we went over a little bit, but we appreciate Glad we were able to get this in. Um, and this will be out on Thursday. So we appreciate it, man. Awesome. Thanks so much, guys. I'll listen in. 
All right. Thank you, Donnie. Yeah, no problem, guys. All right. I hope you guys enjoyed that interview with Donnie Collins. Again, shout out to him for, for joining us for a nice little bit there, about an hour of his time. We appreciate that. Um, we don't have any games to predict, Sean, this week. We're, we're out of those. Yeah. Yeah. And so like, like, go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. Yeah. Like I said, at the beginning of the podcast, it keeps, it feels like we have a game Saturday, but not till next week. Yeah. But I think we all need a break before the big mm-hmm. stretch. I just want to kind of pat ourselves on the back because a lot of, you know, podcasts would, first of all, we don't take breaks in the off season for new people that are just joining us. We're going to be here all of what you call the off season. Um, scale back to once a week but we'll still be here a lot of podcasts don't do that but secondly a lot of of podcasts try to take a break for the bye week or maybe only put out one episode um this actually might be one of our longest episodes of all time so um shout out to us for for putting this together honestly because again this is the bye week a lot of people rest we push forward so Thank you guys for listening and getting this far. If you've made it this far, like literally two hours and 45 minutes in or whatever, um, give us a five-star review. Share it with a friend. Let us know that you enjoy it some way, some shape, or form. If you're down in the pick'em and you're trying to get back up in the pick'em because you missed the week, drop us a five-star review. You drop us a five-star rating on Spotify. You buy a sticker or something from the merch store, which all there are stickers and hats right now. Um you go the extra mile somehow. You join the Discord and you say hi. Or, you know, you just share it with a friend and you let us know. Like, it doesn't take much. I'll, I'll give you a couple of points here and there in the Big Ten Pick'em if you do those kind of things for us. Because, again, it's we're grassroots. We're not we're not advertising anywhere. This is all from your word of mouth. So we appreciate it. Sean, I was going to drop this knowledge bomb on you just to get you, you know, just to tease you a little bit for the Michigan game. How about this? Ready? Okay. Uh, this is from PSUCJ, by the way. And, and we had, Sean, you had let us know this morning that the last time Penn State beat a top five team on the road was 1994 against Michigan. Um, we put that on Twitter. People guessed. Not a lot of people were actually close. Um, so so good job there, Sean, on that, on that route. Um, but PSUCJ said those things, right? He said the last time, whatever, 1994, the opponent, Michigan, but, Sean, do you know what the date was? October 15th. October 15th, which is the same day that Penn State plays Michigan this year. Do you know what Penn State record was going into that game against Michigan in 1994? I'm going to take a guess that it was 5-0. and They were 5-0. and And do you know who Penn State played the week before? They played Michigan in 1994. That I do not know, but I'll guess Northwestern. No, they had a bye week before they played. Ah, I see what you did there. Yeah, (laughs) I got you. Now you see me, now you don't. So again, 1994 on the road against Michigan was the last time they won against a top five opponent. They were 5-0 and and they had a bye week before. I'm not saying that might be the reason that convinces me to take Penn State to beat Michigan, but that might be the reason that convinces me to take Penn State to beat Michigan because the college football gods, they are, they love some irony. You know, they they drink on that all day long and something about that. I don't know. I just want to throw that out there as we kind of wrap things up, Sean. 
yeah, it's a good thing to think about. And um, God, nineteen ninety four is the last time we beat a top five team on the road. I mean, I'm sure some of the older fans that are listening, you know, nineteen ninety four doesn't seem like that long ago. But the two people you're listening to tonight, we weren't even born in nineteen ninety four. So I mean, it was God. It was what thirteen years before the iPhone existed. I mean, God, that's so long ago. But what I would say is history repeats itself. And if there's one thing that's for sure, we're due to win one of these. So let's hope we can put our big boy pants on and go up to Ann Arbor and get a win. You're really referencing the big boy pants tonight. You're, you're okay over there? You have an accident or something? <laughs> I think I might have referenced Sean Clifford not wetting the bed, too. So. Yeah, you're all, you're all over that. You get, you're trying to get us a Huggies sponsor or something? <laughs> I mean, um, Huggies, if you're listening, we got yeah. you. Yeah, Huggies. We'll say it every week. What are we, we got we got Sean Clifford, Huggies, and James Franklin listening to our, our podcast every week. So. Um, all right. Well, again, just to recap all the news. Live show starting next week. Not Sunday show, but the following Wednesday show, 9 Eastern. We'll be live on YouTube, so make sure you get over there and subscribe on YouTube. Um, again, this episode will be out pretty much right now. So uh, we appreciate you guys very, very much. Thank you for all the love and support. We will catch you guys on Sunday. Enjoy the bye weekend. Yes, yes, definitely. Watch football, go to a pumpkin patch, have fun this weekend. I think I'm going to a pumpkin patch, by the way. Anyway, love uh, bye, everybody. Uh, for Sean Kane, I'm Corey Lestokey. You've been listening to Hardcore Penn State Football. Enjoy the rest of your week and have a blessed week. Thank you, guys. Get us on Hubbard.